late Tuesday, July the 7th into early Wednesday, July the 8th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast. And this is one of my favorite types of episodes. We have a little bit of NFL news, a little bit of NBA news, a little bit of MLB news. Then we're going to talk about Wednesday racing. We're going to do some Keeneland opening day with Sean Alvarez. It's Indiana Grand Big Day with the Indiana Derby, the Indiana Oaks. We go through the late pick five at Indiana Grand for Wednesday. We go through Canterbury with Brian Aragoni. We go through Wednesday and Thursday, Canterbury pick fives with Brian. I'm going to go through stable dual lineups, building your lineups. They have three contests on Wednesday. I'm going to go through two of them. We'll build a lineup for Gulfstream. We'll build a lineup for Keeneland. They also have one for Delaware. We're going to talk some Thursday racing. Belmont Park, some best place for the day. Then we hit the Thursday Canterbury pick five with Brian, and we're going to go through the stable dual lineups for Thursday. The tracks for Thursday, Keeneland and Emerald Downs. So we go through all of their races, mention a couple horses on the salary cap that we like, and then we recap the big wrestling events from last week. There were two night events in both NXT and AEW. So in NXT, it was Great American Bash. We'll talk about what happened in Night 1. We preview Night 2 and then All Elite Wrestling Fighter Fest. We're going to recap Night 1 and preview Night 2. Both of those second nights are on Wednesday evening. So a ton to discuss. we got to start with the man of the hour. we got to start in the NFL. It is Patrick Mahomes time. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have a de- have agreed to a deal, a ten year extension worth up to five hundred and three million dollars, four hundred and seventy seven million in guarantee mechanisms. The largest contract in professional sports history. The first athlete with a half billion dollar contract. You got a ten million dollar signing bonus. There's a no trade clause. The large roster bonuses are rolling guarantee are on a rolling guaranteed basis. So in 2026, he's going to be getting uh, 49.4 million in bonuses, 25 million in incentives that are tied to MVPs and um, reaching the Super Bowl. He is one of only five players in NFL history now to have a contract of 10 years or longer. He is tied up with Kansas City through the 2031 season. Patrick Mahomes, your Super Bowl MVP. They just won the Super Bowl. He was the 2018 regular season MVP. He had 50 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards. And when you go through some of the numbers that this guy has put up in a couple years, it makes sense why they do this. And honestly, if the salary cap continues to rise in five, six years as new quarterbacks get paid, this might not look quite as absurd as it looks right now. When you see that five hundred thousand, uh, five hundred million, the half a uh, the half a billion dollars there, five hundred three million. It's like I, I even said five hundred three, five hundred thousand because I'm not used to saying five hundred million when we're talking about a, an athlete. So, Mahomes has a seventy eight winning percentage, which is second of all NFL quarterbacks with the minimum of a thousand attempts. He is first in yards per attempt with 8.5. He is first with 89 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. He averages 302.4 passing yards per game, including the playoffs, which is the most in NFL history. He is the youngest player ever to win the Super Bowl MVP. He has the highest passer rating in NFL history. 
He is one of just two players to have 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in a season. Peyton Manning was the other one. He has 9,412 yards passing in 31 starts. That's the most since 1950. Some of these stats and numbers, you know, all stuff you can look up, but I was uh, writing uh, stuff down and was listening to the Pick 6 podcast. And this is, you know, something that opens your eyes when you see those numbers. Since he became the starter for the Chiefs, they are number one in points per game with 31.2. They are number one in yards per play, 6.5. They are number one in third down percentage, 47.4. Another uh, good little tidbit from the Pick 6 podcast. The highest salary cap hit that a Super Bowl winning quarterback has ever had is 13%. This is going to be well over that. It's going to be hard because it's going to fluctuate year to year based on the cap. But that's the question that will be asked. With a quarterback taking a, a big chunk of your money, will you still be able to put the pieces around him to to put together a Super Bowl winning team? It's not quite like basketball where you get your one star and you're already there. But when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who can literally carry you and make plays for you that nobody else can, it feels like you're going to be there for a long, long time. So huge news for Patrick Mahomes. Other things to discuss in the NFL The Washington Redskins are going to be changing their name So this is reading through an article on uh, CBS Sports from Jared Dubin Last Friday Team owner Daniel Snyder opened the floor internally for an official review of the name Following the news on Thursday that federal officials informed the team owner That he must change the team name from the Redskins If he wanted to relocate to the site of RFK Stadium FedEx released a statement indicating they had asked the team in Washington to change the name And FedEx was amongst a group of corporations including Nike and PepsiCo Investors wrote them requesting that they end their relationships with Washington Unless the team changes its name Letters to FedEx, Nike, PepsiCo were from 87 investment firms And shareholders worth a collective $620 billion Owner has uh, said he'd never changed the name previously and recently, the lower bowl had been named after longtime team owner George Preston Marshall, whose statue was removed from outside the stadium last month. He was one who was uh, responsible for changing the name from the Braves to the Redskins. And he resisted integration of the team and stated that he was proud that his franchise was the last one to be integrated. So in this in this political climate with all this stuff going on, the name's going to be changed And it looks like this is going to Spill over to baseball too because The rumblings are that the Indians now Are thinking about changing their name as well So we'll give you more to that When uh, when we hear more about it But this was the one that had been in the news more recently And now the rumor started That the Indians have been starting to, to do the same thing now Talk about um, what, what To possibly change their name to And this is not just Something that they've said and is going to be swept under the rug Because three of the owners of the Redskins are seeking to sell their shares Because they are not happy being a partner This was reported by the Washington Post Robert Rothman, Dwight Shar, and Frederick Smith Who combined own about 40% of the team And Coach Ron Rivera has said he's been working with the owner on a new team nickname in recent weeks They're going to go a thorough review of the nickname So Shouldn't be the Redskins for too long in Washington. 
Over in Cleveland, tight end David Njoku asked the Browns for a trade. He had a really good year in 2018. 56 receptions, 639 yards, 4 touchdowns, and he's super talented. And you figured with some of the new pieces coming in, he would he wouldn't have any attention on him defensively. He'd never be able to get doubled or focused in on. And he just he had a, a, a disappointing 2019 season. He got hurt. He had a concussion. And he only ended up with five receptions for 41 yards and a touchdown. And everyone in Cleveland seemed like they had a disappointing season in 2019. And he's asked for a trade now. You know, keep in mind that the Browns signed Pro Bowl tight end Austin Hooper to a four-year, $44 million deal. $23 million guaranteed. And they drafted a tight end, Harrison Bryant, in the fourth round. The new coach likes playing with multiple tight ends, so with uh, Stefanski having an extra tight end is not a big deal. But it doesn't seem like Nujoku is a big part of their offensive focus anymore with a lot of weapons there. And you're listening to the uh, NFL News. You're a football fan. You're probably a fan of better fantasy sports. And this NFL coverage brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Download that app. Use a promo code GINO and just deposit ten bucks. You'll get a ten dollar bonus. It's DFS for prop bets. I'll explain more to you later on in the show about Thrive Fantasy, but uh, ThriveFantasy.com. Use that promo code GINO. It'll get you a ten dollar bonus credit when you deposit at least ten bucks. One of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast are friends over at Sarah Candle Company. That's C E R A Candle Company. Their website is sarahcandles.com, C E R A Candles.com. And they are a small business that was created to get you a candle that was 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. All natural soy wax, free from toxins that are found in paraffin wax, which is used by a lot of the other leading brands of candles. This all natural soy wax that Sarah Candle Company uses, it will actually hold your scent better and will burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. So if you like to burn candles, if your friend, if your wife, if your husband, if your brother, your sister, your mom or dad does, and you know that they like candles, give them a try on Sarah Candle Company, sarahcandles.com, because when you use the promo code GINO, it'll get you 10% off of your entire purchase. 100% lead-free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents, micro-batches, hand-poured to ensure the highest quality, 100% locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. They have 25 different scents, Available in three different sizes. Fragrance oils that are infused with the natural essential oils. These are the best ingredients. They have quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning. They give you instructions on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. You get the details. You want to make sure you cut the wick to a certain uh, length. You want to make sure every time you uh, re-light the candle, you're going to trim the wick again. When you uh, let the candle out, you want to put the top on top. So they're going to give you instructions This is a perfect gift for someone. You're going to get 10% off. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. SarahCandles.com NBA news as teams and players start to head over to Orlando. One positive note so far, Toronto, who had to get to to Orlando and head to the bubble a little bit earlier than everybody else as coming from Canada. They've been there for 10 days so far, and they've had no positive tests. So lots of good um, for Toronto and how things are going so far in the bubble. Unfortunately, outside of the bubble, we are seeing a lot of players that have been testing positive. Um, Jokic 
from the Denver Nuggets. He's now tested negative. He's headed on uh, on his way over to Orlando. We're seeing players that are opting out, whether they are testing positive or maybe they're on teams that they don't feel like have an opportunity to win a title, so they don't want to push themselves. Maybe they have a contract year coming up. Maybe something to do with their family. Dwight Howard was one of those who we weren't sure if he was going to play or not. Recently, the mother of one of his children passed away, and so Dwight has become basically the full-time caretaker of the the young son and he will he will be playing in the bubble and he's going to donate uh, $700,000 to charities and causes that he believes in in right now Dwight has been very vocal about a lot of the things happening in the world the protests and so he's going to not he's going to do more than talk he's going to put his money where his mouth is and and donate the, the money that he will be making the rest of this season Is all going to go to uh, to causes So um, very cool And I'm very happy as a Laker fan that we have uh, we have Dwight coming back Because we know one thing for sure Avery Bradley will not be there For the Lakers He is one of the players that have opted out So let's go through the list of players so far Trevor Ariza from the Blazers He is involved in a custody case over his son And he So he's going to be Working that out Davis Bertrands from the Wizards He is a big, big contract coming up this year He's set to become a very highly coveted Unrestricted free agent He has had two previous ACL injuries And Washington would have Absolutely no opportunity to, to make They'd have to win out And hope some of the teams in front of them lose out Although one of those teams, Brooklyn Has just been decimated by injury now And we Know that Avery Bradley is out for the Lakers Willie Cauley-Stein for the Mavericks um, He and his wife, uh, he and his partner are expecting a baby in July Wilson Chandler for the Nets Is worried about the health and well-being of his family first So he will not be playing DeMarcus Cousins Still up in the air, but he's a free agent he it depends on if somebody wants to give him an opportunity or not, but he hasn't made his decision yet. Spencer Dinwiddie tested positive, and he will not fly down to Orlando. He is considering the symptoms. The team doctors have, and I have said it would be in the best interest for me and the team if I do not play. He will be supporting the guys every step of the way. DeAndre Jordan found out a week ago that he had uh, coronavirus. He had tested positive, so he will not be playing. Victor Oladipo. Big blow for the Pacers He will not be playing Two-time All-Star He wants to play He feels like he's in a great place in his rehab He's getting closer to 100% He wants to build On his workload back up And he's worried about the increased risk of a soft tissue injury Dabo Cephalosha He also won't be playing Bradley Beal Was one of the most recent ones and for Brooklyn, another one. Uh, so Bradley Beal for Washington. Again, they have they would really need things to go their way on the on the um, in order to even you know get to get a playoff to a situation where they'd have to win two to um, to get the eight seed. So no Bertrands and no Beal for Washington. Torian Prince add him to the list. That's out for Brooklyn, along with Dinwiddie, Chan- Chandler, DeAndre Jordan. Obviously Kyrie and No Durant too So the list is growing Players test positive 
players deciding. Zaire Smith is another one. He's injured. Justice Winslow's undecided. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, has said that he he hopes once they get to the bubble, he's not as worried if people players come in and they test positive when they come in. That's what's expected when they're out in the world. But when they get into the bubble situation, they're hoping with all of the different precautions that they've been able to take and with all the money they're putting into it that they should be able to, um, if they follow a lot of the rules that have been put forth, they should be able to try to keep it under control. So that's his, his biggest hope is that once they get there, it doesn't continue to spread uh, in the bubble. Some of our NBA coverage brought to you by our, our good friend, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. Visit CindyCarava.com for all of your real estate needs. We'll talk more about Cindy in just a little bit. If you don't need a realtor right now, if you're not selling your house and are not looking to buy or maybe you just want to check in and see what your home is worth. Maybe you just don't have um, someone you know in real estate. Mark the name down. Put a little bookmark there. CindyCarava.com. I promise she will take great care of you. She's one of the nicest people you will ever meet. So uh, CindyCarava.com. You'll hear more, hear more about her in just a little bit on That's What G Said. Baseball news. There is a group that is looking to get together to bring baseball to Nashville. It's led by the former Boston Red Sox general manager Dave Dombrowski and a Nashville-based group. They want to bring Major League Baseball back to the city. He said, it's clear to me that Nashville is ready for Major League Baseball. Music City Baseball is making smart and exciting decisions as it works to bringing a team here. Although the big news in, uh, in baseball is that the schedule is out now. Every team's 60-game schedule is out. So what this shortened season schedule will look like is a schedule that has you playing only teams in your division in in the opposing league's division. So for example, I'm a fan of the Dodgers. They will only be playing the National League West and the teams in the American League West. That way they won't having they won't be having to travel all over the place. It keeps the travel down. And it's gonna be different. It's going to be unlike anything that we have seen before. And baseball preseason games are going to be starting in a week and a half from now. And we are going to get a crazy quick season that begins with the San Francisco Giants coming to the Dodgers on July the 23rd. That will be opening day for baseball. Uh, There are two games that day. Yankees-Nationals is the first game of the season right before the Dodgers and the Giants. 40 of those 60 games you're going to be playing within the team's division. And uh, then the interleague game, so we will get a Dodgers-Astros series, which should be a lot of fun. One thing that isn't fun, though, is... When some of these players are testing positive So let's go through some of the news for players This is a good, uh, Fangraphs is a really good website for baseball And this is the some of the daily news on Fangraphs Let's see, Kirby Yates back with the Padres on Monday He had a positive test within his family But it appears he cleared the protocol to return to the team Will Smith and Freddie Freeman are among four players that tested positive for the coronavirus on the Braves. 
Smith is asymptomatic Freeman reportedly struggling with the symptoms Bad news uh, for the 30-year-old first baseman Hard to predict quickly he will recover Yonder Alonso penciled in at first base there for the Braves Sal Perez stated on Saturday he tested positive for COVID Julio Tehran has yet to report to Angels camp They have not made it clear They are speculating that it might be he tested positive for COVID Felix Hernandez is going to sit out the season DJ LeMahieu was placed on the IL after testing positive for COVID Reports are he's not experiencing any symptoms But definitely something to be wary of As of uh, fan graphs Aaron Nola placed on the COVID IL He was exposed to someone with coronavirus Has not tested positive Sounds precautionary David Price for the Dodgers Opted out of the 2020 season He will not be playing He's going to play it safe And uh, take the season off Prepare for 2021 Miguel Sano has tested positive for COVID He's in quarantine Team off- not offering any other details Zach Wheeler stated he has not decided if he will play after his baby is born His wife is due at the end of July So he becomes a risky player um, And you know for them and This is talking about fantasy too Someone if you were thinking about drafting Mike Fires and Jesus Lazordo have not reported to A's camp yet Many have believed they have tested positive Because the A's have declined to comment St. Louis Dispatch had uh, issue a retraction that Giovanni Gallegos tested positive. Team went out of the way to clear this up. Nick Markakis has decided not to play this season. The Braves have been hit harder so far with uh, opt-outs. They maybe look at maybe look to bring in Yasiel Puig, who's still unsigned. Joey Gallo has tested positive. Cole Calhoun has tested positive. Tyler Glass now. Austin Meadows, Randy Erosera, and Erosarina, and Yanni Chirinos, Jose Martinez have not been seen at camp. Not sure if that's COVID related or not. Tanaka got hit with Masahiro Tanaka was hit with a comebacker in the head during live batting practice. He was hit by Stanton. He was released from the hospital later that evening, but he's expected to be put on the concussion IL. Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge were playing in the outfield for the Yankees in the inner squad game on Monday. Jimmy Nelson's going to miss the 2020 surgery with uh, the 2020 season with back surgery for the Dodgers. Someone they took a flyer on, but he uh, has just not been able to stay healthy. And looks like Carter Keboom could be in line to play uh, more often with Zimmerman out. The Mets manager talked about going uh, closer by committee. Any other uh, news Ross Stripling could be ready to go along So mainly wanted to let you know about some of the players there That have been uh, opting out Schedule released Baseball Looking to be on the way back Baseball, basketball Hopefully we'll be seeing everything in just a few weeks And as we keep our fingers crossed And hope we'll have more and more sports to watch And to bet on And to, uh, to play fantasy sports I want to talk to you a little bit more about Thrive Fantasy Now you've heard me talk a little bit about it here This is a DFS app So it's a daily fantasy app You can play in contests for 2 bucks, 5 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks. You can play in head-to-head competitions In group competitions Or in big competitions Where if you win, you could win thousands of dollars And if you want to give it a try I always like to try things out first Put a few bucks in Right now, if you want to go 
Add the promo code, type in the promo code GINO If you deposit 10 bucks, you'll get a $10 bonus So you'll instantly get a free 10 spot You'll have 20 in your account You can mess around, check it out What they do is They have given you a list of props And you have to select which props you want Of, of the chosen props And you create a lineup Where you're going to be picking over or under And in each over or under you pick is going to have a point total So it'll say something like Tom Brady will throw for over or under 250 yards If you go over you'll get 100 points If you go under you'll get 80 points And you pick your lineup all the way down With props all like that If you are someone who bets a lot of props If you play a lot of props and you're wagering You will love this It's something different It gives you just a little different approach to daily fantasy Not quite just the points or um, the touchdowns or the yards Depending on what sport you're playing And they have everything here Right now, currently PGA tournaments League of Legends stuff to get involved in Before we get back to the baseball, the basketball, the football They have uh, Premier League stuff Give them a look Promo code GINO will get you $10 back When you deposit 10 bucks. Use that promo code GINO ThriveFantasy.com Download the Thrive Fantasy app Let's get over to our first guest of the day We're going to talk about Keeneland Wednesday, July the 8th It is opening day at Keeneland Sean Alvarez joins us to go through the card We go through the nine race card We hit uh, on our thoughts on each race Horses to play, horses to play against Kick back, enjoy, get those past performances out I'll talk to Sean and then following that I'll recap some of the horses that I like throughout the card Opening day at Keeneland Wednesday, July the 8th and very happy to have a friend of the show back with us, a man who you can find uh, RacingDudes.com contributing there. You find him all over on uh, on racing Twitter and a contest player, travels all around, and uh, one that you see a lot in, in the winning in the top part of the contest, too. A very short one that we had uh, talk some Churchill with us a few weeks ago, and now we make the transition. Sean Alvarez from Churchill to Keeneland, very happy to have you with us today, Sean. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we had a we're just kind of talking before the show. It's it's a it's a different card in that it's not a bunch of graded stakes races. It's not necessarily quality in that it's proven. We're just going to have a really interesting card with a ton of maiden races, a lot of young horses that could jump up and, and change quite a bit. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Gino. I appreciate it. Uh, like like you said, you know, with these opening days at Keeneland, you know, you get these bigger days at Del Mar and Saratoga, and you kind of expect to have kind of a, not necessarily an easier day handicapping, but you know the horses. You can kind of, uh, you know, bank off of uh, previous chart uh, notes that you've made or even mm-hmm. just, stay, you know, Equibase stable um, saved horses, you know, on trip notes moving forward. And you don't really have that here, but, you know, kind of like going off of what you said, there's a lot of good betting races and, you know, maybe this isn't the day to attack the pick five and maybe this is the day to play doubles and win bets. And um, I think there's, there's definitely some, uh, some opportunities to be made here today. And, you know, they also are going to have uh, on Wednesday, some stable dual contests. You can play for 10 bucks or for 25. So they're going to start playing, getting the contest open for some of the bigger players. Now there's going to be hundred dollar contests that come up throughout the week. I know you are someone who is a contest player overall. And I saw you in a few of the contests over the Weekend I got involved in uh, um, A bunch of them too and I, I, I Really liked it the one thing that I was Very happy about is They technically Everything seemed very smooth 
They're, uh, everyone that I know uh, over at Stable Duel Seems very excited to hear from people Feedback, they want to know what people liked What they didn't like, any kind of tweaks Any kind of changes, everything seemed Very positive from my end, and I'm someone You know, like you, I know we play a lot of DFS For different sports, all different sports Betting on different websites So I mess around with a lot of different things And it all came out pretty smooth Yeah, uh, I, I as well I started playing, uh, I, th- I think I missed their opening day On Friday, uh, just kind of slide of mind but uh, I deposited money on Saturday, uh, loaded up the stable, um, you know, on specific contests, and it was pretty e- pretty easy to uh, to pick out. And like you said, uh, you know, the results were actually pretty uh, pretty quick as well. So yeah. I, I had a ton of fun playing in it. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because you what you do is you start figuring out strategy and stuff like that. And basically, with with you know, they have a contest at Keeneland. Like I said, you can get involved for a couple different ways for ten or for twenty-five bucks. StableDuel.com and follow the instructions there, or just download the app. If you have any questions, just uh, just let me know, and I'll kind of help you through the process. But what what's nice is that it is you if you will if you're someone who finds the morning lines and you can immediately. Um, find horses that you think are going to be bet down Or maybe horses that are going to be cut in half This That's where you'll succeed in this game Because everything's set off the morning line So if you can if you can pinpoint horses In certain races that you know or you feel like Are going to go off at half that price Then, then you're going to be in good shape At least getting really good opportunities So man this is fun It, it, it just Anything that's new in racing I, I love it I, And I'm, I'm going to give it a good uh, opportunity and, and this week they've got I think contest Five or six different racetracks uh, between Delaware, Keeneland, Woodbine. Uh, I know there's one at Emerald. I think at Laurel Park also. So they're going to be all over the place this week, Sean. Uh, are you ready to handicap everything and, and let's get to Keeneland opening day? Absolutely. Let's go. I can't wait. Okay. Um. So we get kicked thing kicked off with Maiden Fifty Claimers. We're talking uh, Wednesday, July the eighth. Get your past performances out there. Going a mile and a sixteenth to open things up. Three year old maidens, and that's the. You know, that's something that we're going to be talking about a lot. A lot of maidens, a lot of young horses on this card. So in this race, you know, you look around and the morning line favorite majority rules, who is three to one, hasn't raced since last year at Saratoga. So, you know, last August, that was going a mile and an eighth. And that was in the Chad Brown barn. Now you change barns. You have to deal with the long layoff. Where do you stand on majority rules? And how do you take a look at this first race? I mean, it's so, you know, I, I, I try, kind of try to base off of, you know, these maiden claimers kind of going off of what the owners and the trainers are kind of thinking. Nobody yeah. really wants to train or even though this horse is not coming straight out of the Chad Brown born. Uh, yeah, you know, nobody really who's going to improve the horse off of Chad Brown is kind of what yeah. you're thinking. Yeah, no, um, you're right. So I don't really think anybody's going to dip into claim this horse at, at, at 50,000. If, if he runs any of those previous two races obviously check out the you know the most recent race but if he runs that that 83 or the 85 five figure i mean i don't think anybody's gonna gonna be able to even come close to this horse in this race so i hate to start it off chalky but the only other one that i really saw in this race was the three american humor who closed closed nicely on a sloppy track where usually um on a wet on a wet track you're you're kind of um up against it if you're coming off from off the pace uh, horses, horses on the front end really tend to have an advantage. So if that horse can kind of create or have that same kick, I think that horse would be dangerous as well. But again, you know, I didn't have any um, groundbreaking thoughts with having you know the first and third choices um, as my top picks. Yeah, I'm not against majority rules in any way, shape, or form. And I and I would be using American Humor in some of the pick fives if you're playing that to start or however you're you're playing this first race. The the only horse that I'll mention that might be a little 
outside the box. I think Beaver Hat is obviously logical too. I think he'll probably just be sitting around where you know in, in a nice spot, not too far out of it, and he'll have every chance if he's good enough. So those are the logicals. Maybe the slight outside the box one would be the seven. And I think because. He's been beaten and he ran into a couple runaway winners in his first few starts And so you see when he's, that he's beaten handily But he actually ran into some horses who were very good at the time Eight rings and then ex- express train They were both in that debut race and then express train came back and crushed and, and, and he wasn't bad in those starts And he showed a little bit of speed going long And he came back off the long layoff on June the 5th He got that race out of the way He was actually close up, he was within a couple lengths He was three deep And he was trying to follow Beaver Hat He angled out with dead aim he was up really close and then he was just a little bit flat I think it was because it was his first start in a while Didn't really have a whole lot of punch I'm going to give the 7 a look here In some of the early pick 5s along with The 9 and um, and you mentioned The 3 maybe the 6 but for me 7 to 9 I, I think the 9 is the standout I'll throw the 7 in as a price and I'll probably try to start Some pick 5s with those 2 uh, Yeah let's get to race number 2 Perfect. So on pa- on paper It looks like This is a 2 horse race from I, I get and unless you unless you're a little more outside the box, this is at least how the betting may be. And I'm looking towards take charge, Erica, as as you know, maybe the op- having the opportunity to steal this thing in here. Yeah, you know, I was kind of leaning towards the same thing. You know, I, I don't I don't find any value betting. You know, seeing an even money horse that obviously is the horse to beat. So you you got to assume the horse is going to go down to at least four to five or three to five. Yep. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking elsewhere unless I'm, you know, looking at it as a free square. And I, I landed on the same horse as you, the two take charge, Erica, the horse tend to run, tends to run every other race mm-hmm. um, as far as a pattern. And the pattern leads to the horse, you know, running a better race today. Now the, we're still going to need to improve off of that to be competitive against the, uh, the one heavens whisper whisper. But I, I saw that as well. The only other thing that became interesting to me was before, um, charge at Jen being first time dirt. Uh, the horse doesn't scream turf. The horse is working decently well on the dirt and should, should take to it. It's just interesting to me that it's taking the 17th start to finally get on the dirt. And yet you still get uh, Joel on there. Yeah. She, she's kind of the wild card in the race too. I think she's really interesting because you, you, she is just sort of an X factor in here and she has a little bit of tactical speed going long So if they're not going too fast She might be able to be sitting pretty close She might be able to get a jump on a horse Like Heaven's, uh, Heaven's Whisper And maybe sit right behind Take charge Erica And if, if Erica stops Then it might be Jen Who uh, who ends up falling right into a, a nice trip here So yeah, no real knocks on Heaven's Whisper I just think from the rail I, I would prefer her She's been good at this trip But I prefer her drawn towards the outside Or maybe going a little bit longer from the rail Where she'd have a little more time to kind of get out and settle or just get it, get herself into a better spot and take charge. Erica seems like she'll have a, either length or two on the field. She can sit. And when she ran into heaven's whisper, if you look heaven's whisper is kind of a monster on the off track. She's really good on a wet track. So take charge. Erica hooked heaven's whisper when they, they faced a wet track. I'm willing to say that maybe take charge. Erica can improve a little bit on her today and, and kind of even the, the gap. That we saw when they when they last hooked up So yeah I'll prefer the two and maybe in, If you're playing an early pick five this would be a race Where I'd, I'd probably try to single the two maybe And go against the, the one or, or two four Even but maybe maybe take a shot against The one if we think uh, the two can steal it or A wild card like Sean said with the four uh, Let's go to the third Sean we get one of these Nice uh, Keeneland two year old Baby races what's interesting About this one though you have to like look Three or four times just to make sure That there's no Wesley Ward I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I'm looking like, 
three what again again no what yeah just no no Wesley Ward we have a couple horses with some experience we have some firsters in here this is uh, I mean many directions to go any any way you go I'm sure you can you know you can sell someone on it because there's just not a lot to go off of here so who are some of the horses that caught your eye in the third yeah, you know, it's funny you said that about Wesley Warren. I actually thought I was missing a page somewhere. Maybe my <laughs> printer didn't, didn't print it out. So I thought the same thing. That's funny that you mentioned that. Um, you know, obviously, I, I think, you know, the, the favorites, obviously, the horse to beat's got, um, got experience to, to base off of. That's probably kind of around par of what this race is going to be run at. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought the 11 temper time at 12 to 1 definitely offered some interesting value. Um, we've got a decent work tab to show that the horse can lead from the gate. I think Joe Talamo is going to be aggressive from there because he doesn't want to get, you know, sucked back into any any kind of traffic with a lot of these unknown horses. Um, and I at 12 to 1 with, you know, a horse that is is bred to, to win, maybe not, you know, knock the board, barn down early, but um, in, in a spot where I don't hold a very strong opinion, um, that's where I would land as far as kind of a value play. Yeah, there's not, there's nobody on here that like kind of screams their monster from a breeding standpoint or a huge purchase price or any huge monster sibs. So the the eleven makes a lot of sense in here. The nine, I think, as far as the firsters is, is I'd give a, a look to also for Amos. I think the eight, though, you, you mentioned the six, Patty H. No doubt the experience, the one to beat. I give the eight a look. Who was in that very same race and was not far behind Patty H. What I like uh, about the eight, you're getting the blinkers on. She had a fine start. She was mid pack. She moved to the outside. She was three wide. She just couldn't make up any ground on the top few. And now she adds the blinkers on second time out. I'm hoping she's just a little bit closer. There's no, we don't know what the pace scenario is going to be like. We'll we'll see how if any of these firsters come out running. Like you said, the eleven could absolutely come out running if a horse comes out running, and maybe that's the intention now with the eight. Um, hopefully, try to steal this race. So I, I'm going to lean towards the the experience and maybe try to steal it. I absolutely thought the eleven was interesting. The nine, uh, the six, the five were all horses that I I gave a look at. I mean, half hard not to mention a horse like Pretty in Print too for Asmussen, but. Take yeah, don't. This is probably a race where people will spread out, especially the way the early pick five looks. Because the second race, people will probably use the one or the two or just a couple in there. It's short. This this is one of the spread out races. If you can shorten up, maybe go too deep, or for some, you know, you have a strong opinion, take a stand. It's always nice to go a little contrarian in some of these races, Sean. I, I think that's definitely a, a you know a good point to to key on. Um, just because other people are spreading doesn't mean that necessarily you you should. Because when you catch that eight, nine, ten to one in a spread type race in multi race wagers, that's actually playing more as a three or four to one because yep. so many people are spreading. So when you can be trim, when other people don't have as much of an opinion, uh, like you said, that's really you know creating value off of off based off of your opinion. Let's go to race number four. Once again, we got some maidens. This time we're going uh, uh, Phyllis Amaris, three-year-olds and up, and they're going to be a mile and a six, going a mile and sixteenth on the turf course here. So flying the colors is has raced four times, three runner-up efforts for motion. Has you know obviously had some physical issues because she was off from November of 2018 to March of 2020, but she's come back and run two pretty good races. She had a, a clear lead last time out, but she got nailed late. She's she's definitely the horse from a, a you know talking about this race, gambling on this race. I think you have to start with, and is she used? You're gonna play against her. She's always been right there, and, and I, it looks like the race will probably go through her again. 
Yeah, I mean, she's. I don't think she's a play against. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily lean on her. I don't. I don't like to. You know, she's had the three previous starts. Obviously, at um, two year two at two years old. Now two at four years old. Um, but the two the the pre- three previous efforts, while you know she was close up, aren't necessarily huge figures. And so yep. I think a lot of people are going to be betting off that previous figure. She had a three length lead coming down the stretch and coughed it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not saying she didn't take something out of it. Maybe a light bulb went off, like, hey, I'm not going to you know let these horses pass me. But again, at nine to five, I really don't think this horse is going to be nine to five. I think think we're looking more like even money. Um, I saw horses like um, just to the outside the six. 40 zip, um, you know, like you, I mean, you can read it in the, in the comment. You don't even need, need to see the replay, um, hit the gate out was way too far back, um, came running. Uh, and I just feel like if we can run kind of a similar effort than that, get a better start, you know, that's a, that's a horse that, you know, can upset, upset the favorite here. Yep. Uh, I thought for me, I was, uh, I was looking five, six, seven. Um, I thought the seven I hear you who comes in from Laurel Sometimes you see horses that come in from Laurel And maybe people that are playing Churchill Haven't played as much Laurel They've been playing you know more or That, that are playing Keeneland Yeah they've been playing Keeneland They're That are playing Keeneland They've probably been playing Churchill they, Maybe they play some of the, the East Coast tracks New York, even Southern California But I hear you Drew Post 12 And settled in okay Was you know it was about nine or ten lengths off Early at one point and then started traveling really, really well Came up into contention but was in between horses Had nowhere to go, was looking for room I thought it was a pretty good effort, it was a little bit sneaky Because the horse finished fifth that day Gaffleyone's coming off a meet at Churchill Where he yeah, he was just riding really, really well I think you just what you mentioned About the figure, the, the five gets A big figure last time out If you watch the race for the seven it, she, she didn't do anything wrong, I think she showed she had Some ability and it was just kind of a little bit Green learning, now she's going to be making her second Start, she's already gone long, I'm going to Throw her in the mix for sure Along with the two that you mentioned The five and the six who I thought also um, Came on really really well And you know you know, with Suge McGahee You're always going to get horses that are going to be a little bit better Usually their second time out and third time out And when they have a little bit of experience under their belt So um, a maiden race where we both Kind of feel the same way It's not It's not go against flying the colors But I'm not willing to say It's just flying the colors and let's move on well, and, and I think if you go all the way to the outside before you get to the also eligibles, I don't think the 12 country time at 20 to 1 is without a look, at least to hit the board round out an exact or a trifecta. The horse is bred to go along um, on the turf. Uh, DeVoe can, can get um, first time starters going. Uh, and I, I think the horse is going to be overlooked being so far down after you're seeing horses that you like when when you hit, hit horses like five, six, seven, I just think the 12 is going to be overlooked and uh, can offer some value underneath. Country time. We'll try to uh, make a splash at a big price there. Let's move to race number five, maiden special weights. Again, we have three year olds in up. They're going seven furlongs in here. And this is, I mean, you look at this race and the one, the two, the three, the four. The I even thought this. I mean, I thought the six was live. The seven's going to take money, and the eleven. All of those horses could be around like five to one. It, it, this mm-hmm. is going to be very, very wide open race. Yeah, it, it, and so again, this is kind of where we're, we were leaning back two races ago about um, kind of narrowing down your opinion on uh, a race where you think people are going to be five, six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, maybe eight deep, maybe the all button. Um, I really like the seven here. I agree. I I, I don't think. You know, I, I, I think the horse is going to take some money. So um, you're getting Joel 
if you look further into the workouts, the horse has a lot of foundation underneath, was working well at Santa Anita, obviously, you know, maybe didn't want to run there, maybe pointed towards Keeneland when they, when the dates opened up. Um, because actually I think the horse was there for the, um, uh, for the spring meeting before it got canceled. So, um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on that, but I just think the seven offers a tremendous amount of value, even at a short price, uh, for singling in things like the, you know, even a double, a pick three, a pick four. Yep. Searing chase. Who's damn raises the first full, but this one looks nice. And you, you, you mentioned something. What I like to see. I like the fact that she or she he has shown good works at both Santa Anita and then over at Keeneland. That's something that I like. Maybe not just working well at one racetrack and now working well at both and the track that you're gonna fire out first time. A really, really steady tab for the seven. I got I have a top tier in here of two, six, and seven. Those are the three that I'm gonna probably hopefully maybe get a live two in the pick five or maybe start a late pick five here or however you want to play. I thought the two, um, Inish Glora, who he he does not strike me as someone who's quite as quick as the others in here. I think it was because he was inside. He ended up getting caught up a little bit. He tried to settle inside, but he was on the rail. So he's in that spot where it was really hard. He had to push through. I think with Dark Web to his inside, Dark Web's gonna go. And I think it'll it'll let the two settle in a little bit more behind horses. He can relax. And I'm gonna give him a big shot here. The two will be my top pick. And I thought the six, who's gonna um, Go from the turf to the dirt I like the cutback from the mile to seven furlongs Two back was okay uh, in the slop When I thought a pretty good effort at, at Gulfstream Park So I would give the six a look You were all over the seven And I'm you know I chased the eleven A few times here I don't really have any knocks on Fugitive I'm just a little more interested in a couple others Yeah and, and I actually Completely agree with you as far as the six go That was my kind of second pick who I liked Underneath underneath the race um, Again like you said with, with Fugitive There's nothing really to knock on him um, You know but you know just hasn't hit The winner's circle you know you're getting four to One there and like you said I, I really like the seven I agree with you with the six the two makes a lot of Sense I think horses improve off of efforts where they get stuck kind of in awkward traffic and are able to push through, even though that takes a little bit out of them. I think the next uh, start back when they kind of get in that open clearing, like you had mentioned, I think they can, uh, you know, move up and improve off of that. Absolutely. And then, you know, the three and the four are, are logical. Neither one of them would shock, but in a race like this, as you had said, you can't go, it's not as smart to go six or seven deep. When everybody else is probably going to do it If you can single, you can you know cut out A couple horses maybe in half, use two or three And give you the opportunity to have some bullets uh, To fire elsewhere, either starting Or finishing up, that's a, a pivotal race uh, In race number five, because if you play The early pick five, it's the, the closing leg If you play the late pick five, it's the, the starting leg So a race you want to make sure You're correct on, that fifth race Let's move to race number six We have a first level allowance They're going to go a mile on the turf Hey, we have no maidens here So we have some, winner, some winners Not that, not, Again, not that these races are bad in any way, shape, or form We're looking at them And there's no overwhelmingly heavy favorites on the morning line In, in any of them They seem to be pretty spread out uh, and, and this race, I thought was a race where You have, you know, the Chad Brown horse From the inside, Gray's Creek You have the Brad Cox horse, Andesite who and and then the the thirteen B catcher who kind of feel like they're on a a tier above their horses that'll probably be in the the top three betting choices they're going to take a lot of money and then 
they all seem to me like they can win, but they're vulnerable in a wide open race. You get past them, you can start making cases for you know 10, 15, 20 to one shots in here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so with races like this, so the first thing I kind of look at is the pace scenario. Um, and a lot of these better horses do kind of want to be, I wouldn't say, you know, leading the race, but they kind of want to be forwardly placed. Um, and you're looking at a horse like the 12 that I think a lot of horses in this race, uh, as far as the lower priced favorites go, are going to be really worried about the, each other. And I really think they're going to let the 12 go and just assume he's going to come backwards. And the horse proved that they can go along on the turf um, while while getting that kind of easy easier lead. The horse was not going fast um, early. It was a mile and an eighth. It wasn't burning quick, um, but was able to hang on and, and kind of pull away from the field. So I thought the 12 was interesting. And then on a flip note on that, if they do decide to kind of push the pace and be a little bit poorly placed, I thought the six at eight to one, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, Lake Nakuru. Um, I thought that horse was interesting, kind of coming in, rolling a little bit later. I don't think Joe's going to be any, you know, not going to be worried about being a little bit further further up, going to let everybody clear and kind of come with that one run in case the um, pace scenario um, falls away. But I, I thought uh, this race was was difficult from top to bottom. We're on the same horse to start. I'm on the 12 with you, Calvary Charge. I love, um, I, I think you're right. There's not a ton of sp- Speed that's going to go I think a lot of horses will sit just like you said Maybe be okay with sitting a, a length A couple lengths off and and he might Be able to sneak away a little bit He That was his, his turf debut And he won and he, he'd always Flashed ability he'd been knocking on the door For a while and run some winning races And then he just stepped on the grass And he just improved a little bit He put it all together I think you have to use the 12 Based on the fact that he could be Just loose on the lead The 11 was a bomb from the flip side, as you mentioned, like the six, I, I'm not sure how good attorney Tim is, but he two starts back, and they may have gone a little too slow, and he had a tough post. I don't think that, I think that was race was up against him. If you put a line through that race, and you're looking at the races on June the 20th at Churchill behind Moon over Miami, that was not bad. You're looking at the race on December the 12th where we broke the maiden. That race was not bad. Those races are competitive at least to hit this uh, to hit for a slice in here underneath. The ten had. Not necessarily the trouble early wasn't as much, but he he didn't have he was close. He had to hook, get hooked four wide, and he wants to sit a little closer. I, I just don't think he was going to be able to to do that if he's able to tuck in. He makes sense. The seven is another horse at ten to one, whose two grass races are very good. He's a fit at this level, so this just seems like a race to. It starts to lay pick four. This is definitely a race I'm going to watch and play individually. Because somebody's going to get forgotten about And there's going to be a horse that's 15 or 20 to 1 That shouldn't be And that's who I'm going to try to focus in on Yeah, I I completely agree with you I think this is a great, great kind of exacta trifecta um, Race Even kind of, I mean, you can play it for a small ticket And if it hits, you know, great Because, you know, even if you throw more money at it You're not necessarily, obviously you're improving your chances But there's just so many different things that can happen in this race Um, I, I landed on with you as well The 11 was actually my third pick um, in the race, as far as trying to find either a value or leaning on favorites, um, I was uh, I was basically two, uh, six, eleven, twelve. If I was going to try and beat anybody, I'd be trying to beat the nine here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm, I'm okay with taking a swing against the nine, and I prefer the two over the nine. And yeah, we have we have a lot of the same horses at prices in that six, which is a, a fun race to have to start the late pick four and in the middle of that late pick five sequence. Let's get you to race number seven. We're going to go a uh, three-year-old Three-year-olds are going to go a mile in here This is a 50 starter allowance And 
another race. You know, you, you look on paper and who who ends up going off as the favorite in this race? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, truthfully, I think it's going to start with you know that you know smart either barn money or whatever. And I, I'm thinking the uh, the public's just going to follow it. I actually, my top horse was actually eight to one. The three farm. There we go Morrow. again. Same one. Go ahead. Sell, <laughs> Same sell horse. So there we go. Um, you know, I just, I thought it has competitive figures to come back to. Um, I think it's kind of more of the class of the, uh, um, of the, I'm sorry, uh, of the race. Uh, you, again, I mean, I hate to harp on it, but when you get Joel Rosario, uh, I'm sorry, not Joel. Uh, when you get uh, Ricardo Santana riding for Steve Asmussen, you know, and, he knows Keelan. He knows kind of that area. Knows their barns. I don't. It just for me. It, the horse just. I just kept coming back to it. Yep. Um. To be completely honest, uh, I I thought the horse should be the favorite in the race. I couldn't believe the eight to one. So for me, if he opens up and if we can get, I mean, if if we get half of that, and he, he to me felt more like a horse who should be seven to two. So anything above that is fine. And the way this race is going to set up, it looks like it'll probably be admire and seek. Maybe running Ray and Samaranti showing speed in here, and an R shouldn't be too far out of it. Framoro should get a great trip sitting just behind them. Look at the races at Oakland. So his last race at Churchill, he had some trouble. The two races he ran poorly, he was actually the fa- he was actually favored, and he had trouble in both of them. And in the middle of those two races, he has three really good efforts over at Oakland Park. Against tough groups Those races at Oklahoma were really tough There was no, uh, not a whole lot of other tracks going on right then So those allowance races were like Stakes races in a lot of cases And in one of them you see Moretti Who came out of that race to win a stakes And then he was well beaten but he was second in the Suburban Behind Tacitus uh, last weekend So Frau Moro has just come out of better races And I like him a lot in here Sean Um I mean, I have to mention Father G as a hunch play for myself uh, as a <laughs> as a as a as a father now, and uh, he he does fit in here. And I think when when you have a horse like this who wins sometimes at Belterra or maybe a smaller track, sometimes people will dismiss them and maybe not think they're quite as good. But if you look, he's not really been overmatched in any of his races. Gunnet is a, a horse who's been in stakes and like a legitimate. Allow upper allowance stakes type horse. He should be around and in the mix, but this could be. Is this a race with the with the Fra Moro that you'd be thinking of singling, or would you be using some others? Yeah, I mean, it, with with a lot of these races, and you know, I wouldn't say it has an um, opportunity to chalk out. Obviously, everything has an opportunity to chalk out, but we you know we were just talking about you know a couple a couple um, favorites that were vulnerable in the last race where we want to spread. So this would be kind of that area where, and I actually like the seven as well, where I can even just go three, seven. If the three comes in and it's a price, you know, um, that just multiplies my ticket, but um, you know, kind of leaving myself a little bit of coverage with the seven as well, because again, I, you know, I hate to say it, but we keep landing on the same horses. I was three, seven as well in this race. So yeah, that, yeah, I think, I think they feel like the horses that are, Probably the most consistent that'll get the best type trips in here. I have the least amount of questions about uh, question marks about the two of them. So I have the three Fra Moro on top. That's probably my bet, my better play or one of my better plays of the day. And maybe on one ticket, I'll I'll single there. And and then like you said, I'll probably end up using three and seven on another. The eighth looked really really difficult. This is a five and a half furlong turf sprint in allowance race, and you have a couple. 
Wesley Ward horses With the two Maven The five Cambria who are going to take money The ten Digital is a horse Who's always teased of ability And had had a pretty big reputation But he's you know been a little bit Disappointing and he's going to try the grass And cut back for the first time uh, Those are the three that are the, you know, the Shortest prices on the morning line I guess of them which of those do you like Do you use are you going in other directions How's your uh, approach on this eighth race I thought this was a tough race because I think there's a lot of speed that want the front that want to push it, but it just doesn't seem like there's any closers that you can really kind of trust in this race. So I feel like this is going to be one of those, uh, um, you know, see who can run the fastest, obviously the fastest, the longest, but um, I really, I kept coming back to the two. Um, I was, I was kind of going back between the two and the five. I think the five has that kind of, can go but is also going to be able to sit um you kind of alluded to it earlier on how well um tyler gaffleum has been riding you get the wesley ward angle with it so you get that versatile trip which i always like especially in this um scenario but i think the two is going to be tough um i think he's going to go straight to the front um again another wesley ward horse so you know you kind of have to go into it thinking the wesley ward horses are always um fit and ready to fire and so um i could truthfully see you know a kind of a two five um and i kind of threw the six in there as as kind of hoping the horse can get a similar trip to the five maybe even just sit off the five and off of tyler's uh kind of hip and if the five doesn't fire just be able to kind of go by um i saw it two five six with without really being able to lean on one or the other the two i have on all all my tickets the the two horses i'm going to mention they didn't talk a lot about um the five is very live i I thought the six super dormy also was one to include the uh so the 10 digital i do think this he's a horse who was supposed to be a a really nice three-year-old going long and then it was okay maybe he's going to be a miler and then they cut him back and it was oh you know last time to six furlongs and, and it was still not quite short enough and now he's going to try the turf and go five for five and a half. He might just be able to let loose and run his best, settle, and then come rolling late. If you look at who he's been defeated by, it's not as, as if he's been facing nobody. He's actually kept some pretty good company. So I think he's this is going to be a good spot for him. But the horse I'm going to use in all the exotics with him as a big price, sort of for the reason that you're saying, I don't think there are a lot of horses in here that are True closers that maybe want to come from Way out of it but I do think Ike is Great might be able to sit a really nice Trip so if you look at this race This is a race for three year Olds Ike is great just faced Open company last time out he hooked a horse Named high crime who's an older allowance Horse who was actually fourth in the Swale last year and Ike is great was in between horses He was in some traffic he was close up from The rail and then he he got up to within a couple lengths and then he got shuffled. He lost a few lengths. He came on again, but at that point, high crime had already opened up. And Ike is great. Ended up finishing second that day against Older. Now is going to go second off the short little break. And, you know, his two grass races are not bad. He was in a little stakes race prior to that and, and didn't have the best of beginnings. I'm just hoping he sits. And if the race unfolds where there is a good amount of speed or a couple of them go, maybe he falls right into a good spot. I'll be using the 10. I think the two of the speeds is the horse that might be able to just run them off their feet and steal it. So for me, I kind of, I think I have eight, two and 10 as my top tier of, uh, of horses in here. Yeah. And I, I think everything you said about the 10 is spot on and, and truthfully the horse is bred to enjoy the turf. Um, but when I get a three to one favorite in a race where I like other horses, 
and we're trying something new for the first time. I, I have no problem with trying something new for the first time with a price. Um, I just don't want to lean on that favor. It didn't sound like Great you were leaning. No. I just, you know, when, when we're trying something for the first time and it's as different as a new surface, like I said, the horse, it, you know, should like the turf, is bred to like the turf, but um, the, we're not, uh, we're running decent figures on the dirt. So it's just, it seems a little interesting to be on the turf here and then to swallow the, the favorite um, in the lower price was was kind of the holes I was punching in the favorite. So let's get to close it out. And I, and I agree with you, too. You don't want to take too short a price. I would not be uh, singling that one in any way, shape, or form. This is probably what I think might be a good fit for him. So we'll see in, uh, if he can uh, get the job done there. In the ninth race, Maidens. 20, though, will be going to the, the Maiden Claimers here. And they'll be going seven for a long. So not the easiest way to try to close things out. And in this race, there are not a lot of horses who are coming off of recent good efforts, really, at all. And the one that I guess you can point to maybe is the eight, who was facing a lot softer and doesn't really have a whole ton of speed. So this, yeah, different ways to go in here. Yeah, and and kind of just jumping back from that last race, um, we look at the 11 Spice Road in here, and there's nothing... You know, I mean, the horse is, again, the horse to beat, but we're betting this horse off of um, uh, three-year-old form at basically at Aqueduct and Belmont. And so it's it's not necessarily current form. I'm, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be, but, you know, you look just to the inside, you know, an into mischief horse, a Wesley Ward should come out firing um, as uh, is bred to, to win early. Um, and then if you obviously we're going to need a lot of luck um, for this to happen. But I, I don't think the 16's without a shot uh, at six to one. And again, like I had spoken about earlier, when you get these horses on also eligible lists, mm-hmm. especially as far down, people just tend to forget about it. They throw yeah, it on the page, you know. Form. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the last so, page on the form, if you printed it out to on the end of the form, you just don't even think, or you're like, ah, the 16, they shouldn't even be in this race. That Yeah, it's good. It always it, happens. It is. It is literally the only horse on the last page of my form. So, I mean, easily thrown <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, th- th- this is gr- a, a good... I like this race because you can go in so many different ways. So, the 11 Spice Road, yeah, the blink, the, the big drop with the blinks. Bl- you know, if, if you want to use them, fine. I'm, I'm going to go in other ways. The 5 Boss Light... Uh, boss life. I like this this one in here. He has some tactical speed routing. Now he's going to cut back to seven furlongs. I think you can make the excuse last time out it was a wet track, and then even in his debut, he was sprinting on a sloppy racetrack. The two races on the grass were good. I want to give him a shot on a fast dirt track, and now he's going to drop down to the lowest level he's been at. He should be sitting in a good spot, and if he's good enough, he might just be able to fall into seven furlongs and get the trip. But the one second line, David, who I think you can build some excuses for him also He hooked a wet uh, wet track last time out Two starts back, he tried tougher So this barn claims him for 30 They step him up and try maiden special weights A lot of barns give that a shot See if you, you, know, you can step up and get a piece against better You don't So then you drop back again to where you claimed him from 30, but unfortunately it was a wet track So you can make that excuse And then when, when people start to see Back to back or two or three bad races in a row That's when they start to dismiss horses If you can go back in those races And build excuses for why they were Poor performances Especially when you have a horse like Second Line David Who has shown you before he has the ability It's not like a horse you're projecting Even 
to to show ability. If he runs one of those first two races in, in that he ran, he would be right there. So I think he's a, a really tough horse to use. The three Carolina Airness would be another one for me. Just on the big drop, he had his debut was fine. He's going to stretch out a little bit now. Add the blinks for the big drop. Those would be, you know, I guess maybe one, three, and five would be some of the horses I'd start with. Yeah, I completely agree with you with that one. You can completely toss those last two races, and if he runs uh, back to that seventy-seven figure, where there's, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. Um, it's definitely not only uh, board, con- you know, hitting the board contender is a, a win contender, especially if you can get out of that. If you, like we had alluded to earlier, if you can get out of that hole and establish that good position, mm-hmm. you know, shortest shortest way to the turn, right, right, right up the rail. So um, I agreed with you as well. I, I really liked the sixteen. I thought the uh, the eleven was kind of a defensive use. Um, I thought the ten was going to be uh, definitely uh, t- going to be tough out there, and the mm-hmm. one was kind of my my long shot play. Nice. It's uh, race nine there at uh, at Keeland and. It, it's it's a different Keeneland opening day That's the one thing, it's a different 2020 Sean, it's definitely a different Keeneland opening day We don't have some of those traditional Graded stakes races that we've been used to But we're going to have a big week at Keeneland With um, a ton of graded stakes races Out there this weekend, and then uh, I know you're someone who loves playing The races at Del Mar, we're going to have Del Mar, Saratoga opening up We just had Monmouth open up when in, Whenever those tracks start, it signals summer It's been Unfortunately, a bummer a bummer of a year for, for so many people out there in so many different ways But anytime one of these new tracks open up, it, it always kind of signals hope to me Yeah, I mean, obviously this, this year has been a, a trying time uh, Especially with, with racing and everything But like you said, when things start to open up And I, we would all love to be going and attending Keelan and Saratoga and Del Mar But I think it's just, it's one of those bright spots where, you know it, they could not be running, you know, and a city could, could have shut them down or, or whatnot. It's just, I, I just trying to be thankful and, and excited that, that we're running because like you said, we're getting Keeneland all week. We're getting Del Mar in the weekend. Saratoga's right around the corner. Like you said, Monmouth has opened up. It's, it's what it's, we're kind of getting back to what we're used to with having these options of this, just these great tracks that are running. Sean, uh, let the folks out there know what are what are you working on. Where can we find you on social media? I know you do some writing, some blogs here. You're uh, all over the place. You in different contests, playing here and there. And uh, let us know your social media stuff so we can follow along. Yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is at Smooth Turn Two. Uh, that's the number two at the end. Uh, I'm currently doing um, some writing with with racing dudes based on uh, you know my contest plays and more kind of frequently asked questions that I don't think a lot of people. Um, dive into when they're talking about contest plays uh i think it's great that we have these big names at the top of the leaderboard and i'm not trying to take anything away from them but just trying to kind of educate people that you know the contest world is not as scary of a place as you know looking at how much money the guy that won the uh, breeders cup betting challenge made last year you know you look at that figure and it gets a little intimidating so i'm working on uh working on that and really we alluded to it with the tracks opening up the more contests are opening up so i'm really Focused on trying to get into these contest plays and, and you know, worked out that we're handicapping uh, Keeneland tomorrow because I'm in the uh, Keeneland feeder trying to get that $3,000 seat for their express bet contest this Saturday. So just trying to get out there and, and play in some contests and, um, you know, write a little bit based on my experiences and, and any kind of questions people have. 
Sean Alvarez, thank you so much, man. I uh, I called you up last minute, and I was just gonna do this on my own, but it's always more fun handicapping with a friend. And I figured you might be interested in uh, taking a look at Keeneland. So thank you very much again. I love talking races with you, and all the folks out there know how to give you a follow. So good luck tomorrow, and hopefully a couple we we see the ball pretty similar in a few different spots. So hopefully at least one or two of them are right, and and we shouldn't have a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like uh, if either one of us have a good day, it's it's just going to uh, carry over to the other person. We're both going to have a great day. So let's hope, hope for that. And I appreciate you having me on. Best of luck in your contest over there, too. Sean Alvarez at Smooth Turn 2 on Twitter. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're just going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back here on That's What She Said. Love talking races with Sean Alvarez. Big thank you to Sean for joining us. We're going to recap some of my plays for Keeneland Wednesday. Before we do, I want to let you know uh, about one of the longtime sponsors. Been here from the very beginning. That's what G said. Cindy Carava. Visit CindyCarava.com for any of your real estate needs. Because one of the, the most difficult things in life is it's moving. All the whole process of relocating, all those different factors that you have to worry about. Cindy will make your life easier. She's been a sponsor with us forever here on That's What G Said. The name might sound familiar if you're into horse racing. She's the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who's been around the Southern California circuit for 30 years. She's a full-service realtor. She can help you in a bunch of different ways. Selling, purchasing, leasing. She can help you find vendors, you know, handymen, painters, landscapers, gardeners that she has personally used in her own home or own homes. And if you need help getting pre-approved with the loan, she can connect you with the lenders that she works closely with. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County, so right around Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. Even if you're, you're just interested in seeing how much your home is worth, she can do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow, or just cindycarava.com. You can find all of her contact information there. It's C-A-R-A-V-A, the last name. I've known her personally for a decade. She is one of the most honest and genuine people I've ever met. Exactly the type of person you can trust with all of your real estate needs. Get to cindycarava.com to get in touch. So just a quick recap of some of the uh, the opening day plays at Keeneland. So in race number one, I like the seven. Um, can't bet them all. Five to one or so would be worthy of a win wager. In the second, the two, Take Charge Erica, could be an early exotic single. The third race, I thought the eight, if you could get around seven to two. I like the seven, I hear you in the fourth at around five to one. In the fifth race, the two uh, with the six and the seven underneath. But if we can get around, you know, seven to two or so on the two, I think that's worthy of a win wager. Sixth race, let's go looking for some bombs. The 12, the 11, the 10, the 7. I'm fine with any of them at big prices. In the seventh, one of the best bets of the day uh, for Amora. The number three, I know Sean was all over this one too, really like uh, the three in the seventh. In the eighth race, the number eight, Ike is great, a long shot to include in your exotics. If you get around eight, ten to one, make sure to bet a, uh, bet a few bucks to win. And the ninth race, the number five, Boss Life. If you can get around four to one, horse who should be close, turning back, and a little more fit there to try to close things out on Wednesday at Keeneland. And we're going to go over how, so the stable dual lineup in just a minute After we get through some more of the Wednesday racing Big day on Wednesday at Indiana Grand We get the Indiana Derby We get the Indiana Oaks 
and a late pick five sequence that I thought was a really nice sequence to take a, a shot at. So let's turn the page to the start of that late pick five over at Indiana Grand. It's going to be race number eight. Get your past performances out. We're talking Wednesday, July the 8th, Indiana Grand. And uh, I'm going to use to start the pick five in race number eight. I'm going to go four deep in here. I like the five Amazima who... I played on June the 24th, and she was super impressive. She got bet down, but she was sitting really nicely, and she was loaded all the way around. She has that style where she should sit a great trip again. She's sharp. She's in good form, and they just wheel her right back and hope that she can just carry on and, and repeat an effort just like that. If she can take a little step forward, she can compete with these. The 12 horse does look like the one to beat. The outside draw is a little bit of a concern for she's on the warpath, but uh, you can understand why she's going to take a lot of money. I thought the 8, Hanalei Moon with some back class. She's getting she's getting some class relief in here. This is a softer spot than a lot of the races she comes out of. It looks like the last three at least. And then the 2, Streak of Luck. She ran into a horse named Dog Tag who's won two in a row. Her better efforts when she sits close, she can hang around for a while. We're going to go 5 12 8 2, 2 5 8 12 with Amazima, the number 5, on top in race 8 at Indiana Grand. In the ninth race, I'll use 3. Respect for the 2, the Black Album, but I'm going to be, be playing against the Deuce. We'll use the 5, Grand Journey, and the 10, Hey Dakota, both of the Mike Maker, first start off the claims. The top selection is going to be the 9, though, first Premio, who you see has, you know, Faced much better in, in, in a lot of his starts He had a slow start most recently And he moved up to third, fourth He was just a few lengths off He was in between horses He was three deep before at the top of the lane He was right in contention without being asked And then he, anybody we tried to ask him It was a little bit too late So first premium with a better trip Has a better effort in him So we're going to use the five, the nine, and the ten In race number nine with first premium The top selection the Indiana Oaks. I've been a fan of Byerness for a while now, and um, I thought her comeback race, she hadn't raced from February to June. She was good behind four graces, who's really sharp right now, and she just was a little too far back to make up any ground on the top two that day. I think, you know, stretching out now here, she won't be so far back. She can be sitting a little bit more. I'm going to be using the 10 in all the exotics. The three tempers rising, she just needs a better pace scenario. If they go quick, she's going to come closing. You pretty much know what you're going to get from her. The six, she dares the devil, is the one to beat, no doubt about it. She's not a need-the-lead type either. She can sit off plenty if uh, if a couple others choose to go. And then the 11 is a big long shot who won in the slop last time out. That was a big effort, and maybe they just this horse, the light bulb just went on. They figured something out. Maybe it was the slop, but with that kind of speed at that kind of a price, I think she's worth using in, in at least a couple different exotics, so... 3, 6, 10, 11 In the Indiana Oaks We go to the Indiana Derby Race number 11 And I've liked the 3 Tyshawn For a while I even gave him a look in the Arkansas Derby And then he just did not fire whatsoever Put a line through that Play him off of his races prior to Off that good third in the Oaklawn Stakes I think he's very competitive With this group off of that group of races So let's give him a shot to bounce back We'll use the 5, Shared Sense, who's going to be tough in here. The 8, Major Fed, will come running late. And the 4, Erner, who is going to be one of the quicker in here. And, and they may have to run this guy down. He's continuing to move forward. He might be the most fit he's been because he's going to put two starts together now. Erner, 3, 5, 4, 8 
in race number 11. And then in race number 12, I'm going to single the one. Five-star Colonel with the blinkers on from the rail. This horse just looks like the speed of the speed. Sent hard from the inside in five-star Colonel, the one. So a pick five that would look something like two, five, eight, twelve, with five, nine, ten, with three, six, ten, eleven, with three, four, five, eight, single the one in race number twelve. That's Wednesday over at Indiana Grand. We go to our next guest now, and it's gonna be Brian Aragoni from Canterbury. We're gonna talk about that Wednesday Canterbury pick five, get those past performances out for Wednesday, July the eighth. Flip to race number four, and let's go to Brian and talk some late pick five. Coming off a record week over at Canterbury Park, we bring back the track analyst, uh, someone who's becoming a good friend of the show now that we've been uh, covering a lot of Canterbury. We're talking back and forth. We're watching these Canterbury races. And Brian Aragoni, Brian, last week we got back-to-back record-breaking pick five scores. It's been super difficult, but this is the kind of thing when you have a low-takeout pick five pool and you have big pools and and you get you're getting a lot of attention you're getting bigger players and you're getting bigger payouts man we had an $85,000 uh payout and then the next night it was a $98,000 record breaker a couple pool jobs last week i know you almost have to feel bad for the people that hit it on monday they only got 23,000 <laughs> how, how sad i know i think i think they'll be okay but this is uh, we were briefly talking before i uh, hit the record button this is like a great calling card for a pick five uh, pool like this that you guys are pushing this year with the low takeout, trying to get people involved. And the thing about it, too, is some of these races are have been really difficult to hit, but we're not talking about races. And, and I think you posted the ticket on one of the big scores that was, you know, like an $1,800 ticket, which a lot of people can't play. But the thing is, we're not talking about. We're talking about good sized fields Lots of 7s, 8s, 9s Some 10s in the turf races We're not talking like 12s, 14s So you know you could you could hit These tickets Some Someday it could be your day And that's what's nice with a score like With a you know a pool like this A score like this you only need to hit one or two of these And you're set Yeah and I mean obviously you know over 80,000 And 90,000 is an outlier But let's take Monday for an example we didn't, we didn't have our best card. We didn't have a ton of fields or anything like that. But on Monday, the pick five went five to two, who was a nine to five morning line favorite, then five to one, then two to one, nine to five, and two to five, and, and you get paid $400. I mean, that's... you got a five to one and four favorites basically win, and you still get 400 back. And that's what that's where you see that takeout really, really come into play. And I think it's it's starting to feel like uh, it's catching on. I think you, you've been on a lot of, a lot more podcasts now. I just see people online that seem like they're playing the Canterbury when they're talking about the races uh, and now and now the four day racing week. So it just seems like it's really good momentum, man. I'm 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 really happy with everything that I'm seeing, and uh, I look forward. Let's pick some winners for the folks again these uh, this Wednesday and Thursday. Absolutely, and as someone who is an advocate for Canterbury, of course, but more so just horse racing in general, I really hope the low takeout thing does do well so that you know we can see it spread out around the country and have more opportunities for this low takeout elsewhere. That's what we want. That's what we want as players. So let's jump right into it. Race number four on Wednesday is what we're going to be looking at. So we're looking at the July 8th card. We're going to do Wednesday, and then we'll hit Thursday also. Um, so we start out going a mile on the turf course here, 16 non-twos. 
At first glance didn't feel like there was a ton of speed in this race So maybe the one who's going to get back to the grass After breaking the maiden last time out um, I-, I thought the Bravo horses maybe complemented each other pretty well in here He might he, he feels like he has a strong hand with a couple nice fillies So who are some that you look towards in this spot? I, I didn't really have a strong opinion Couldn't get a great feel You know, the 16 non-winners of two is a tough level Not many consistent horses in here Bravo Typically uses Rye as first call, but Lovebury has been so good on the turf, and, and they've actually had numerous wins together with Bravo as well. It's a tough race. Uh, the one thing I will add in is that this Tanner Tracy, he appears to have some bad numbers, 5 for 54, but it looks like he's taken over all the Brian House horses, and Brian House is not a big name. You'll see some of his horses down at Keeneland and elsewhere, but last year he was unbelievably. So it may be Tanner Tracy on paper, but I think it's more Brian House in reality, and he got a win early on in the meet as well. So according to Aspen as a class dropper that could be fit um, with Tanner Tracy, who's light on numbers, but could get the victory. It's one, three, six, eight, nine. I truly have no strong opinion in that race. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very similar. I was one, three, six and nine. Hush y'all has a little turf influence on the damn side. These connections have had some horses firing so well so far. And what's nice is they're generally prices when they do. So uh, yeah, I think we got it pretty well covered there. You mentioned the eight two. Kimberly Francis who would, wouldn't be a shocking here I just yeah I kind of agree with you I have one three on sort of the tier a little higher Just hoping that maybe the one can sneak away And the three feels like she may have the best turf races in the field But not necessarily a, a standout race for me uh, me either Let's move to race number five Second leg of the pick five sequence We go Minnesota Breds, Phillies and Mayors, three-year-olds And up they're going to go six and a half furlongs in here And I mean Towards the inside, you've got some horses who have not really been in the best of form lately And who are not the quickest here Can you make excuses for any of those inside horses? I don't think you can I mean, this is no. for me I, I got a text last race And I, I rarely get text messages from trainers And it's even more rare that I actually win I got a text from Nevada, you know, before last race on June 25th Saying, hey, my first year can run And I'm like run a little bit or run like for second and third yeah he's like no this horse can win and then you watch the finish holy cow he was right went off at 27 to 1 it's all about timing you had 27 to 1 last time now you're probably going to get even money if that all native is a single all damn both my tickets yeah she had a slow start she recovered well she traveled she was traveling nicely right away she actually looked kind of like what you said she looked like she was ready she didn't look like a first-time starter. She looked like she had a, a little bit of experience. She closed well. Now that that race is under her belt, I mean, you look at the rest of the field. They have 36 races combined and by the six other horses, and nobody has even come close to the type of effort that she had last time out. I'm with you. I think you can single the six probably on one ticket. The only other horse that I'd use in here um, on some would be the eight, the first-time starter, who just faces no monsters, and maybe she's just better than most of these in here. The damn... Was a, a winner that on the turf Two siblings, they were both multiple winners And we know that barn can get one ready to fire So yeah, the 8 If you were going to go a little deeper and look for others It would be the 6 and the 7 Just because they have more upside I'm, I'm with you though, I couldn't really build Excuses and, and valid cases That the inside horses have not been in the best of form lately So this is a race that's going to go I think all through the 6, all native um, Maybe I'll throw uh, the 8 Golden Gopher in on some others yeah, I like I like what Nevada does here. You know, a lot of a lot of trainers they see that ability or show ability stays right at the main and claiming level. Yeah, mm-hmm. from seventy five hundred to fifteen is not that big of a jump, unlikely to get claimed. But many of them would try main and special weight. The purse is almost three times higher. They'd be a long shot in there, but stays right at a comfortable level. 
should improve second time out as well. Yeah, this is where she belongs. You know, that's what you have to do. You don't want to put him too over your head, and that's why the numbers have been good so far for the barn. Um, that's race number five on Wednesday. We move to race number six here. With some of these these races where you have so many horses that come out of the same races, sometimes they're difficult. I do think she's fire nice ran well, but she did get a pretty good trip. Um, the others are going to have to improve a little bit on her because we have six of them that all exit that June seventeenth fifth race. So where do you go with the, with the horses coming out of there? Yeah, I mean, I I saw it the same as you. I just watched the replay not too long ago. Um, and I thought she's fire nice could not have gotten a better trip basically, you know, rolled the rail all the way around and then swung out and really had no excuses just got run down by a better horse that day. But unfortunately, none of the other horses were able to catch she's fire nice. I thought there was some upside, uh, maybe with my heart sings who was drawn mm-hmm. on the outside last time I thought finished strong could continue to improve has some races down at fairgrounds, but it's a race where she's fire nice had a perfect trip last time unlikely to get the perfect setup again. And it's going to be a low price. The one I didn't know what to do with is the three Jolly Bill. Yeah. Seven to two morning line, but it's a five-year-old mare who's lightly raced, not really bred for the turf. I'm going to try and take a stand against. I'm going to actually go four, five, seven, and nine, and hopefully we can beat She's Fire and Ice. The only one who you uh, didn't mention, or I'll, I'll mention, is... I'll probably give the two another shot. I think she kind of got a little shuffled from the inside and lost a few lengths. And, and then... She was sitting pretty close She lost a few lengths And then nobody else except for the winner Really made up any ground that day um, And and so maybe that few lengths Was really what hurt her There just wasn't a ton of passing going on that day And Maybe she can just sit in a, in a little closer spot She's got some okay races at Remington That would be pretty competitive here If she, she showed up with one of her better efforts So I'll throw the two in on some tickets But I do think it, it starts and ends with the four And depending on how you want to go um, you, I agree with My Heart Sings A little bit of upside And then who were the others one more time that you mentioned? I was uh, four, five, seven, and nine I actually okay. originally had the two I thought Avi's Paradise kind of checked off the heels It wasn't horrible No, it wasn't bad Really kind of ran flat after that Yeah, opinion. I agree She didn't really show anything late um, I just... I don't love, like you said, after we get past She's Fire Nice, who had that great trip, and she might work herself out another trip, and she might just be better than, than, you know, a couple lengths better than some of these. And so I don't think she's one that we should try to take a swing against in here um, in race number six, going the mile on the turf course. This seventh race for me was, I thought, one of the more difficult races because I don't really love the one who's dropping, but she's been facing a lot better from the rail. Um, the, the seven, you know, she got a little shuffled last time out. Now she's going to stretch out. Maybe she can go a mile. I just don't have a very strong opinion um, in here. How about you? Uh, me neither. I mean, it, it's hard to fall in love with Summer Lovin'. Taking a no. drop in class, they've tried the boys, but it's going to be the third start in four weeks. And frankly, the horse has yet to show anything. And you want to see of- a little. She's beaten two horses in her last two starts. You just like, or maybe a little more speed, anything, like any signs of life. And we just, I don't feel like we've seen anything. No, nothing. And granted, I will say this water patrol who she faced on June 17th came back to win impressively last night at two to five. And then Lila's lucky lady who she faced last time, came back to win on the turf last night. So you've got some live races, but when I watch the replays, just no no heart. I just no. heartless. I can see why this horse is one for 15, never really digs in. And and frankly, when I went through this the first time, my top selection, I hate it. I, and this horse has not shown anything, but the replays I watched, the horses that have run over the track don't impress me at all. So I'm going to try drain fame on top. 
class drop off of a layoff. The five-year-old mare by Bodie Meister has shown absolutely nothing on the dirt, but it's a race that I want to take a stand and potentially get a long shot. I'm actually one, two, three, and seven in this race. I will spread out a little bit. I'm against greatest gal showed absolutely nothing last time out was kind of all in and shoved on from the three furlong marker, which is rare for horses out of the Joel burnt barn. Um, and then the horses that have raced over the track were uninspiring. So I'm going to try the lone horse off of a long layoff who's shown absolutely nothing on the dirt in three starts. We'll see if it changes around one, two, three, and seven for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try to get to all in this race, you know, and, and at least one or two of my tickets because I just feel so lackluster and just not confident about it whatsoever. And if you know, if you're someone who, who wants to go like an all but summer love, and unless you have, you know, a, a, a nice bold single in one of the other races, I'm fine with that because that's the point of kind of going all if you don't love a, a short price like that. I just, yeah, I could make, I, I completely understand what you're saying. None of these courses that we saw last time out, especially, ran at all. Greatest gal, Chico Sparks. Who's fooling who? I'd, I'd want to give like Chickle Sparks, I guess, more of an opportunity because she'll at least be a price. And I think stretching back out, maybe she can just sit closer and be in a better spot than she was last time out. Um, I just no, don't love anybody in here. I will try to to use as many as possible. We get to the eighth race. I'll feel a little bit confident. I think in here, it does feel like the outside towards the outside. I think you could probably. Feel confident if you had you know like seven eight and ten Combinations of them in here but I really like The eight in this spot Brian I'm You know I know he hasn't raced In you know seven Months now eight months since October At Keeneland but they're going to get to the dirt for the They're going to get to the grass for the first time this is the First time gelding they tried to get this one On the grass he he showed a little Bit there was not a whole ton against Maiden specials I think he was just overmatched Um, He comes out of a race though at Keeneland where there were four next out winners The dam was a multiple turf Winner was a stakes winner Was a multiple graded stakes Was a graded stakes placed on the turf On the synthetic graded stakes winner Four siblings to race a couple of turf This one looks good to me I think it's a great spot um, I wouldn't be shocked to see what a perfect day Try to run him down But maybe trading up can just be ready And this can be like a win type drop For uh, the new connections yeah, I mean, it's been boomer bust with these Lothan box stables. Many of them are royally yep. bred. They've tried elsewhere. Now they come here. I didn't know what to do with trading up. I think either wins for fun or probably runs off the ticket. 100% um, agree. I'll one- play two tickets probably where I single one, and then I'll play you know a few others just hopefully if I can get to him, and then he wins. Then I'll be nice, but I know what you mean. He's the type that's that wins by three, or you'll know early in the race, and he's just never in it. Yeah, and the horses that Burnt have had for a long time have run well. It's the ones that get shipped in that had been elsewhere and then, you know, come here and they run poorly. It looks like he's had this one for some time. Um, that HUF on May 16th is Hudson Farms. That's where Burnt goes in the off season. So it looks like they had trading up um, down there as well. But the one concern is you had a, a $200,000 horse who after one start at Arlington Park was already at Canterbury and then they mm-hmm. went to Keeneland after I don't love my top pick. I mean, 0 for 16, drawn on, the, drawn on the 10th post, not ever something I would aspire to write home about. Was bet heavily last time, and the one thing I noted is got hammered really late, just couldn't get by. Mattress Max run tech that day. Kind of green still. The four-year-old by Blame, it's kind of goofy, actually. Runs very with his head high. Um, but I'm going to try Perfect Day on the outside. I agree. 7, 8, and 10 are certainly the ones in here. Um, you know, Tony Ringstorff and Jareth Lubbery could jump up at a price uh, yep. with two that's, that's winter. The exact four that I have. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, Winchester plays thoroughbreds. They want to win races on the turf. They're breeding for the turf. The three-year-old by Broken Vow hasn't shown much on the dirt, but could be overlooked with some good turf breeding and connections at win. Yeah, there's no speed in here whatsoever Either the three horses that we think are going to be Really live on the board don't have speed at all So that's how you try to beat them Is steal the, the race, so maybe the one or the two you see, Actually the three inside horses you would think Could be forwardly placed, to me it feels like the two The grass the first time, the upside You talked about the connections, that would be my other one So yeah, I have two, seven, eight, ten On a couple tickets, I think seven, eight, ten And then I'll probably single the eight you, But you hit it with the, what a perfect day it, I'm not really wanting to try to beat him because th- this seems like a good spot for him. He dropped down to a level and seemed like that's where he fits. And he, he really was second best in a race that he couldn't have won. The horse that won just got the jump on him. He came closing. He did what he could. And the horse that he ran into two starts back, Dean Martini, that was the horse that came back and won over at Thistledown that they stepped up and won the uh, the Great Three Ohio Derby for Tom Amos. So he ran into a, a good horse on the dirt two starts back, too. I, I think with those outside three and then the two on another ticket, we might be able to uh, hopefully have that that uh, closeout race um, pegged up. So on the Wednesday pick fives, looking through it overall, um, who are maybe one or two horses through the sequence who you feel like uh, people should absolutely have on their tickets? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course the single is going to be all native, but you know, you throw in uh, someone against She's Fire Nice because a lot of people are going to draw their eyes mm-hmm. there. You know, and Isles in the nine polls, 12 to 1. Nevada Litfin's been winning with everything they send out, continuing to improve. And then My Heart Sings in that, that same race. And, you know, I'm going to try Drain Fame in race number seven, eight to one morning line. And the horses that have a race over the track were completely uninspiring. So I'm going to try the longest shot on the board. And many people may overlook because, you know, the fastest buyer in three races on the turd is eight. So we'll see what we can do. Brian, let the folks out there know where can we find you on social media and then let us know about uh, what the schedule is over there at Canterbury, what time the races start, and when can we find you uh, you know, for some analysis pre-race, things like that. Yeah, we're Monday through Thursday at 4.30 now. Our pick five is the last thoroughbred races. It can be a little bit misleading because we are mixed meat as well, so oftentimes the last one or two races of the night are quarter horses, so pay attention uh, when you get the form because many times you just look at the last five. But we start every day 4.30, Monday through Thursday, um, you can find me and my selections on Twitter at Mr. B underscore CBY analyst. Brian Aragoni becoming a, a, a staple here now on That's What G Said. The people have been begging for him to come back and talk Canterbury. So uh, thanks again for uh, for carving out some of your time to talk some Wednesday and Thursday. We're going to stop this now with Wednesday, but don't don't worry, folks. You're going to get more, Brian. We're going to talk that Thursday pick five at Canterbury, too. Don't go anywhere. We're just going to hear from uh, one of our sponsors on That's What G Said. Thank you to Brian. We're going to talk with Brian about the Thursday pick five at Canterbury. Also, if you, you know, you're listening to this horse racing analysis, that means you're probably a horse racing fan, I'd imagine. Go check out OldSmokeClothing.com. They have tons of horse racing swag. It's it's a website unlike anything you've ever seen. We're talking hats, uh, hoodies, all sorts of different t-shirts, all sorts of different sizes, cool slogans. I'm going to talk more about Old Smoke Clothing in just a little bit. If you use that promo code G-I-N-O, Get free shipping. Free shipping. So check them out. OldSmokeClothing.com. Promo code G I N O. Couple things to discuss over at Canterbury. So in that pick five sequence, which starts in race number four, some uh, horses that I think are must use. I think the one, Frosty Flirt, and the three, Awesome Sunset, to kick things off in the fourth. In the fifth race, the six and the eight are the must uses for me. 
in the sixth race. It would be two, three. It would be two and four. Two, three, and four would be the horses that I, I'm looking at the most. In the seventh race, I'll try to play one where we can get all in there, and we'll play another where we're going four, five, six, and seven. And then in race number eight, who gets the lead? We'll throw the two on some tickets because maybe he gets the lead. I do think the eight is a horse to single on one, and we'll use two, seven, eight, ten on another. Over at Canterbury, that is Wednesday at Canterbury. Now it's time to talk Wednesday Stable Duel Contest. There are three available contests to get involved on on Wednesday at StableDuel.com, or if you download the Stable Duel apps, if you go to the website, they'll show you how to download the app, and you can follow the instructions. You can play at Delaware, at Gulfstream, and at Keeneland. At Keeneland, they have $10 and $25 contests. At Gulfstream, just the $5 entry. So now you're getting entry um, entry fee- entries for all levels. We're going to see coming up this week where they're going to have $100 entries and bigger contests if you're a little bit bigger player. Let's go through the process of building our lineup in uh, it, it, we'll start with Keeneland and then we'll go to Gulfstream. Those are the two tracks where I put uh, I put together some lineups and I played them. And again, I'm never I'm, I'm never going to say here's my exact lineup and show it to you because I'm going to play a couple different ones. If I gave you my exact lineup and you played it, we both would not make as much. So I think it's better to give you different approaches. If you use a horse in one race or you can use one of these horses if you need to go a little cheaper. I'll always give you two or three. Um, opportunities, two or three different horses in each one. So, in race number one, the two horses that I'd be looking at would be the seven, who you can purchase for three thousand. That's can't bet them all, or the the nine for eight thousand. Majority rules. I would be okay with spending up early on in race number one. Uh, in the second, I'm looking obviously to the two take charge, Erica. That's going to be my single there, and and for eight thousand, I'm okay. The one heaven whisper for ten thousand on a nine race card at Keeneland. You're in, if you're trying to fill all 10 spots There's going to be one race where you have to double up Using the 1 and the 2 here Would cost you a whole lot If you tried to use those 2 But I feel like in a short field They might get you 1st and 2nd points here Or at least get you um, You know, a, a couple really good point, uh, point totals on your board We move to the 3rd race I look to the 8, who's 5,000 Pure uh, poo timing I look to the 6 Patty H, who's 8,000. Those would be the two horses that I'm going to be using in different variations of my lineups. In the fourth race, I'm going to go to the seven for 1,000. I hear you. I talked a little bit about that race at uh, Laurel. I thought it was a good effort. And by the time she got going, the top group had already got separation. She had some trouble prior to that. I hear you for a thousand. You can use on a, a lineup or two. The you want to spend up a little bit in here. I think it would obviously be flying the colors at ninety two hundred. In the fifth race, I'm going to go to the two, Inishglora. That'll be for five thousand. I'll be building a lineup around the two. Uh, the number six. If you want to go really cheap, Carmichael is only seven hundred and fifty bucks. So if you want to spend up in some other races and take a little swing, the six might be a good spot to do so. The number seven, Searing Chase, at five thousand for the first time starter. This horse could be very, very live. I would use two, six, and seven based on their prices. In race number six, this is a race where I think you can go cheap. I would take a chance with the twelve, who's only a thousand. How about the eleven, only two hundred fifty bucks, Attorney Tim, off of your salary cap. The ten would only be a thousand. See hope, see of hope. The seven, elusive ruler, would only be a thousand. I think any one of them, 
is a good spot to maybe go a little little cheaper here in a race that I can see big prices hitting the board. Race number seven, I'm going with the three from Moro, who's my one of my best bets, probably my best bet of the day. Father G would be the other one I use. Fram Moro is only three thousand. Father G is uh, the seven, who is seven thousand. And in the eighth race, I would go to the number eight, only five hundred. To use Ike is great Who should end up sitting a nice trip Maybe third, fourth in here Behind a couple of the speeds The 10 I think Digital is in a great spot To just take back And come rolling late Going five and a half furlongs on the grass Those would be the two that I use like If you want to spend up I would I would spend up on either Digital or Maven But I would, I would take a reach in here With Ike is great And then in the ninth race On the Wednesday Stable Duel Contest I'd be 5, 1, and 3 Boss Life, who's shown some tactical speed Boss Life is 3,000 The 1, second line David is 3,000 And the 3 is 6,000 Now remember, you have to fill 10 spots Your average is about 5,000 per spot So, you know, some races you can spend Up to, you know, 65, 7,000, 9,000 But then you're going to have to go shorter in other races to even it out And I'd recommend... If you don't, if you are playing on a track that has 10 races to just use one horse in each race, you want to be able to give yourself the opportunity to win each race and get the max amount of points. If you're playing on this Keeneland Wednesday opening day with only nine races, it's different. But when we go over to Gulfstream Park for Wednesday, for example, which we're going to go to right now, they have a Wednesday stable duel contest, $5 entry fee to get in. Don't use two horses in any race. Because then in that race you know you can only At the best finish first and second And everybody else that's using 10 horses In 10 different races Can still have the opportunity to finish first In all of them And they can outscore you You could have 9 winners in a second and lose You want to be able to have a good day And know that if you have a good day you win It's just like betting any, anything You want to be a little bit more bold Let's go to Gulfstream Get your past performances out We're going to go through the Wednesday card And we're going to talk a little bit about the stable duel uh, Prices as we do on the salary cap So in race number 1 The 10 Spence who drew twelve uh, post 12 Last out was asked for some speed uh, Was crossed over on And then had to take back And tried really hard Finished 4th Was 3rd late Just lost 3rd This Sixth place finisher came back to win a maiden 12-5 You're going to go second start off the bench I think the 10 Spence is one to use At 5,000 The 5 Millie is one to use Coming off of a slow start Who ran deceivingly well last time out The third place finisher came back to win next out A maiden 16 at Tampa So for me it would be the 10 at 5,000 It would be the 5 at 1,000 It would be the 6 Aloha Kitten if you want to spend up At 8,000 In race number 2 the 8 horse would be the one I really look to use the most in this in this race That would be Nag 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 First time starter for Ralph Nix The Dam 1 at 2 The Lone Sibling 1 at 2 Someone super capable This barn first time out They know where to spot them And then the 10 if you want to go a little longer So 7500 for the 8 Nag 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 seven Or only 50 bucks for the 10 CS Party who broke right on top Had the lead and a couple of horses from the outside went on with it And then she ends up getting shuffled back from the inside From the outside, she might get a much better trip And be able to show speed and sit a little bit So 8 and 10 in race 2 In the 3rd, the 6, Cardiac Kid for 6,500 It would be the 1, 
uh, mock a beam with the blinkers on for 8,000. If you want to spend up, you want to go a little cheaper, it would be the five Indies Jewel. In the fourth, the two Upsy Daisy Do. The maiden races she exits are probably better than the 6250 non twos that a lot of these come out of. Light bulb angle for the two. The five Blossom Bow is the one to beat. So pretty formful there. Nothing exciting in race number four with the two and the five. In race number five, the eight Cold Warrior I like quite a bit. He was a step slow from the rail and he shot through uh, up to second. He was a couple lengths off. He had nowhere to go. He got shuffled back. He had to wait. He angled around three wide. And that was the difference between winning and losing, getting shuffled back and losing a few lengths. Now he's going to go third start off the long layoff. He gets off the rail. And Cold Warrior is the one to really to beat. And I'm going to bet. And I'm going to use Cold Warrior at 6,500. The four Churchill's victory if I want to go deeper. I know we're going to get some speed out of this guy. And he's only 250. And then 50 cents, the 10, 5,000. So if you want to go about uh, where you should be going in each race, 50 cents with the blinkers going on. In race number six, I'll be looking to the seven. Rule yourself, only 500, a big price. Some of those Laurel races, when you go back and look in, in middle to late 2019, they can beat the this group, the seven, at a price. The nine bourbon in May, if you want to spend up at 7,500, and uh, if you want to go about norm, the three-point Dugard is at 5000 In race number seven, I'll look to two in here, the five, Mead. He won his debut, and then he tried graded stakes company. He's only gone long once against much better. In his last start, he sat third. He was three off. He was three deep before at the top of the lane. He was no match for the top two. And now you get the drop in class, second off the bench, second time Gulfstream Park. Expect some improvement for the five. Mead, who's 3000 up on the board And our Mercedes boy, if you want to spend up He's at 9200 In the 8th race, the number 5, Sir Aggravator Making his 3rd start He's going to try the turf for the first time After a couple races at Presque Isle Where he did flash some ability, some tactical speed I expect him to be in the mix throughout At 5000 The number 4, Bohemian Beat If you want to spend up a little more at 9600 If you can't afford to in this race Maybe it's Apache Who's coming out of a live race Apache who would only be 750 In race number 9 I'll look to 2 in here The 3 take charge Morella Who would be 5000 And the number 5 Bargainer I think if you just tossed a stakes race there You're looking at 7 straight top 3 finishes She sits the trip in here Bargainer at 7500 To close things out I'll probably have a couple different lineups One of them will be using the 3 wild wine who has upside on the drop in class Blinkers on off the layoff The number one Swinging on a star at 5,000 From the inside likely flashing some speed And the number 10 Nobody knows nothing you can spend up If you want uh, for 8,500 I thought you'd have a little bit of a cheaper one Middle tier with the one and then uh, if you spend up Go with the 10, 3, 1 and 10 there In the 10th at Golfstream, you can get involved in that stable duel contest on Wednesday for just a $5 entry. If you have any questions about building your lineup, shoot me a message, get in touch with me on social media, on Twitter at it's me Gino B, Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola, Instagram at G Bacola. Love to help you out building your stable duel lineups. Before we get to Thursday racing, let's talk a little bit about oldsmokeclothing.com. T-shirts, horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats. They have slogans, big races documented, horse names. 
You can show the horse racing fan in you and you can get any of this stuff with free shipping when you use the promo code G-I-N-O. And know you're a horse racing fan. You're listening to the horse racing stuff right now. If you want to get a gift for one of your friends, family member, a loved one that you know is big time into racing, a t-shirt, a hat, a hoodie, a jacket, they would absolutely love it. They're unique. Um, You can also have custom designs made. Check them out, oldsmokeclothing.com. Use that promo code G-I-N-O for no shipping cost. Let's get to Thursday Best Bets over at Belmont Park. We have three Best Bets at Belmont Park for Thursday, July the 9th. Get those past performances out. Flip to race number three for the first play. And we're going to go to the number six in here. This is the first level allowance going a mile and a quarter on the turf course. Setting the mood is lightly raced, and her last race I think is a little bit deceiving. It doesn't look that great on paper. She moved through inside up to within a length, but she was in a tight spot. She The only opening was a small area inside, and she didn't really quicken there. She got wrapped up on late. I think the race is, is better than it looks on paper. She's lightly raced. She has some upside. She's not slow early in a race that does not have very much pace at all the two is going to be close early probably on the front end and the six setting the mood should be right behind in a great great spot let's make a win wager on the six and maybe a maybe a horse to single in some early exotics so we can get around five to two or so let's flip to race number six and i'm going to go to the number one sky queen these are made in special weights here sky queen has raced three times and she showed ability in all three of her starts We last saw her on June the 18th, and she got shuffled from the inside. She was in the third flight, so she was always in between and behind horses and waiting, and she closed well up the inside. The main concern is the rail draw, but she turns back to seven after going longer three times and with going the the little second off the bench. She should be really, really fit today, and as long as she doesn't get outrun or shuffled from the inside, she should be able to pass some horses and come rolling late. So if we get around 5-1, to one, let's make a win wager on the number 1 Sky Queen in race number 6. And let's go to race number 7. We'll go to the 6. So wow, it's, it's all about the... We got the 3rd race, the number 6. Then the 6th race, the number 1. And then we go back to the, the, seven, the number 6 in race number 7 with Buy Me Candy. What has this guy done wrong in his career? His debut, he's a runner-up. At Tampa going against Maiden Special Weights. Career start number two, he comes back and he beats a Maiden Special Weight group at Fairgrounds. Career start number three. Looks like he doesn't run well on May the 30th. He gets squeezed at the start. Things are tight for him for the first quarter. He's behind horses. He gets shuffled. He's buried on the inside with nowhere to go. By the time he gets room, it's just too late and he's a little bit flat. He has speed in a race that does not have a ton of it on paper, but he does not need the lead if a horse like assiduously from you know down inside with the blinkers on wants to get aggressive or anyone else wants to get aggressive. Buy Me Candy can sit close. He faced older horses last time out, and he beat older horses in Mar- in uh, back in March. He was asked for a little bit of run down inside, but he really got to the lead without being sent. And he was battling head up all the way around the track on June the 20th at Churchill. He put away the other speed. He opened a le- uh, up a length. He ran a bang-up race to finish second to Moon over Miami, a horse that I've always thought had some ability. Buy me candy. The number six. If we can get around seven to two, that's worthy of a win wager. 
in race number seven at Belmont Park. That's on Thursday. Three plays at Belmont. Third race, the number six, setting the mood. Five to two is the value line there. Sixth race, the number one, Sky Queen. Five to one is the value line there. Seventh race, the number six, Buy Me Candy. Seven to two, the value line on that one. Let's stay with Thursday racing and let's get you over to Canterbury. We'll talk with Brian one more time, this time about the, the Thursday, July the 9th. Pick five sequence starts in race number four Thursday night at Canterbury. Get those past performances out. We go through uh, races four through eight there Thursday, July the 9th. Thursday, July the 9th, we're getting back over to Canterbury. We're going to talk about that late pick five, that pick five over there with 10%. It starts 10% takeout, and it starts in, in race number four. And back to talk about the Thursday sequence on track analyst over there, Brian Aragoni. Brian just helped us out talk about Wednesday. We're going to talk about Thursday here. Brian, and we kick things off with a 16-beaten claimer. They'll be going a mile on the turf course. So I think that from the inside – the Burnt Barn has a, a nice hand in this race with Blades and Asian, who's probably going to be speedy. Yeah, yeah, who hasn't done a whole lot wrong on the turf and maybe sitting right off. Um, he's going to be tough to beat, I think, with those two. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, should get a perfect trip in here. I may be a little bit biased. Uh, I had a rather large win wager on this one last time at 7-1, to one, so maybe I'm still living in the past from June 16th, but I like, yeah, yeah, quite a bit in this spot. I think Blazing Asian is the controlling speed, but a horse like Jerf, if you draw a line through that last race and you look at the when they have had success on the turf or have actually picked up checks, they haven't had a ton of success. They're 0 for 12 on the turf, but the horses run consistently on the lead or on the front end, and Kelsey Hart likes to come from out of it or be on the lead. I think Jerf is going to set it up for yeah, yeah, off the pace, keep Blazing Asian enough company up front. It's yeah, yeah, for me, if I wasn't going to single that one, which I will on one ticket, I'd probably go one, two, and four. Didn't know what to make of the five. Um, when I watched the replay for Side Street, Dave and Charlie's a charmer, I thought they were inferior to yeah, yeah. They could have gone around again, and those two were never catching yeah, yeah. Completely agree. I'm going to single yeah, yeah on one. Um, the lone three-time winner in the field, and he fits the conditions beautifully because he's a Minnesota bred, but he just beat open company. So it's not like he's a Minnesota bred who's just been beaten up on Minnesota breds, and he should just get a perfect trip, as you as you uh, pointed out. Um, I think this is just a great spot for yeah, yeah. I will single on one ticket. The other ones that I'll look at when I played a, a different ticket would be the four Jerf who got the prep out, and, uh, and maybe the six Side Street Dave. You know, I think Getting off the rail, trying the rail three times uh, After drawing the rail three straight times I think he may be able to relax a little bit more He actually has a little more speed And maybe when he's not forced He'll be able to just kind of naturally use it And sit in a good spot So I'll throw the six on one ticket Kind of agree with you on the five Wasn't sure what to do with Gatito But I, to me this is all about yeah yeah If you want to come out singling right off the bat with the two Yeah yeah that is fine with me And that'd be a nice one to, to get out of the way And we'd have plenty of coverage as we move on To race number five at Canterbury And we have uh, the start of the late pick four here And they'll be going Five and a half furlongs These are Phillies and Mayors three year olds and up Not won a race since March 9th Or never won four I, this is a fun race to handicap um, there, There's two or three of these races In this sequence where you can Really go through the field and make cases For many so if you have a strong opinion You can get a little separation What do you do here in this fifth Yeah I actually printed my forms before the morning Lines would be interested who is the favorite in uh, Race number five based on the morning line Yeah I, I mean, it, it, It's a tough race So I don't have any morning lines I assume it'll be quick 
Yep, um, the seven just yep, the seven is the the slight favorite, but you've got College Queen seven to two, Papa Isla's doll is nine to two, um, Lucky Loretta's four to one, Sassy Cita's five to one, Little Be Quick five to two. So I mean, yep. any any one of those five, honestly, if the money started moving around a little bit, I I wouldn't be shocked if Sassy Cita got bet, you know, with some of those Oakland races to to fall back on. This this is and, and how is this race going to shape up with a lot of horses who have speed but can kind of sit if need be. This is a fun race in the in the sequence. Yeah, I agree. And and for anyone, you know, if you print your forms early, you get them before the morning lines. I, I would recommend it for anybody. If I, I love way, doing that, I've always done that. Yep, pitch the morning lines. I don't think they're needed. It's one person's opinion on what the odds are going to be. And more often than not, I find people that are experienced or newcomers, you know, paying attention to the morning lines too much. Maybe they're pitching a twenty to one that they like because it's twenty to one morning line. I would recommend, you know, trying your best to almost cover them up if you can, because this race, you know, who knows who's going to be favored. Little be quick coming yep. from Tampa is going to get a lot of money, but Papa's Island doll is awfully quick and they went really fast last time out has never had success at the allowance level. All the wins have come at the claiming level. It's a spread race for me, two, three, five, six, and seven, five and a half furlongs, a ton of speed. I thought college queen was all out to win last time and needed Every furlong or every half furlong of that six and a half. So I'm kind of against the two a little bit. Um, but I am two, three, five, six, and seven. No real strong opinion. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Just what you said. It's like you watch the race going six and a half and you think, yeah, she probably can't win going five and a half. But I still don't want to exclude her because she's really one of the only true closers in this race. And I could absolutely see... Them, you know, hooking up three or four across the racetrack and College Queen maybe just being a little sharper than a horse like Lucky Loretta, who hasn't raced since June of last year. But I, I can't leave out Lucky Loretta because sometimes the, uh, a closer like this, who only has to run like a quarter mile, is a perfect horse who comes off of a long layoff because they don't have to do the dirty work throughout the race. I think you hit it. I mean, I'm right there with you again. I had the six. Slightly on top because I'm I'm thinking where she's drawn, she might be able to use her speed and sit off a little bit like she was trying to do at Oaklawn Park, and and maybe just stalk and pounce and kind of fall right into it and get that get ahead of, of either a College Queen or maybe a little be quick. It's hard to dismiss a horse like Papa Isla's Doll, who's probably the quickest and could outrun them. So I'm with you. I'm two three six on one ticket, two three five six seven on a, on another there in the fifth at Canterbury. In uh, in race number six here, I like two horses uh, in this spot. Brian, we're going to go seven and a half furlongs on the turf. These are three-year-olds and up, which have not won a race in 2020 or which have never won four. Um, I'm going to go inside and outside in here. I'm going to go with Skippy Strike, who I, I, just, I love his versatility in a race like this that seems to have a couple speeds. He can either sit or close. And then the eight Irish major, he does not win a lot. This race to me just screams out like that August 15th race when Irish major was first ahead of Skippy strike. They both came closing because there were a bunch of other horses in the race who had speed and who set it up for them. I'm I'm not sure if Mr. Shook, you know, can sit what he needs to 10 speed is going to want to go. Mast is super fast. Minnesota miracles pretty quick. I think it's going to come from off the pace, and, and maybe it's one or the eight. I have them as my top tier of horses in here. Yeah, and they exit the same race. I mean, you could be on something with a live race. I think it, it goes through those two, certainly, and many people could just key in on that June 24th race. Um, Irish Major was closing ground pretty rapidly and went by Skippy Strike shortly after the wire. 
But Skippy Strike is, is pretty game every time they go out uh, to the track. I, I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns in here. You've got mm-hmm. Ian coming in from Fairgrounds. We talked about uh, Tanner Tracy taking over all those Brian House horses where, you know, Tanner Tracy, 9%, 5 for 54. But you throw in Brian House's name, all of a sudden he's a 30% trainer, and they've had success early on. Here you've got good workouts. They like to work them out fast. Didn't know what to make of Antarctic. You know, Mast is another one who on his best day has some back class as well. Minnesota Miracle, one for one on the turf. One and eight do appear to stand out on paper, but I think there's there's more to it. I think if you're mm-hmm. going to play a light, financially friendly ticket, you go one and eight. If you're going to go a little bit deeper with a strong single, um, which I feel I might have in race number seven, I'm going to go one, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, and, and hopefully get a price. Yeah, the three is a good one because I, I have the one and eight, and then in my next ticket, I'd probably throw in the six with the three. And the three, that race that jumps off the page to me is that December 1st race at, at Fairgrounds against the, the 17 5, you know, beaten claimers, where he was able to sit nicely just a couple lengths off, going a mile and a 16th. If he could work out a trip similar to that, He'd be really, really tough in here. So I think he's a good use and maybe one of those horses that can get you some separation even in a, in a pick five sequence where, you know, people might look at the the top two or three choices in each race and a horse like Antarctic could sneak away a little bit. You mentioned training well. Looks like this horse is well meant too. So yeah, I had an eight, one, three, and six in that uh, in that sixth race. Depending on how you set up your ticket, maybe it's a spread. Maybe you have to shorten up a little bit. We get to race number seven and... So I guess we start here with Fable's Love Affair, who's your morning line favorite at five to two, because she missed the break last time out. She did close well. Haley's Heist just ran him off their feet. Pearl Devine was was pressing Haley's Heist, and then she ended up backing up that day. So I, it, with Fable's Love Affair, with a better start, she should be sitting a lot, lot closer in here. Um, I guess that you know how you approach this race kind of depends on how you feel about her. Yeah, this is a single. I, I think the race goes through her head. Didn't really have a ton of trouble. Was off slowly. Kind of the break in the air wasn't that bad. Just no. slow to gather. Yep. Um, I thought. But then what really impressed me is was four or five wide the whole time and continued to pick up horses, pick up horses, and many of them come back in this race. The question mark for me, if you're not going to single Fables Love Affair, um, who I don't typically have love affairs with $5,000 claimers singling um, going five furlongs, but a lot of soul is a question mark for me. A drop in class really was kind of shoved hard last time and didn't really ever respond. Now takes a massive drop in class. That's the one horse that I'm worried about. Um, but hopefully Pearl Devine can keep a lot of soul company up front. Fables Love Affair should go rolling on by. Yeah, the I think I think I'm with you. The the five is a standout. I feel like if if she runs her best, she's going to win this race. There's a couple others that I would include. I, I'm not a fan of the one um, as much from the inside, just like you said. I think from the rail with Pearl Devine, even a horse like Sweet Sassafrasi, they might make things tough for a lot of soul. The three is a horse I want to give a little bit of an opportunity to on a couple tickets. She's actually crossed the wire first. A couple of different times so she's not just The the the, the non two like she Looks on paper she's crossed the wire first And she was DQ'd because of uh, purse money She can actually pass some horses She's got enough tactical speed To sit within striking Range going five furlongs Maybe she just flops into a good spot If you want to spread a little deeper the same Kind of a trip maybe with Pearl Devine who may, Can maybe at least press and just fall into it And then 
I'm, I'm definitely against Dusty Princess, who's over seventeen. I think this feels like a horse who, um, I just using this maybe as a prep race to see what they have and then stretch back out. I would be okay on deeper tickets throwing in even the seven and the eight. Who you know the seven, the eights coming out of better races. The seven second off has some decent races at fairgrounds um, to call back on. So. Yeah, to me, it's definitely starting with the five fables love affair. I would use three on on most of my tickets too, just as a price. But um, no, no getting around uh, the the chalk. I think in here, she's she's a horse that's tough to use. And then I just I didn't know what to do with the low sal horse. I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure. I mean, she wouldn't be a shock, but I'm I'm just worried about the other speed in here. As you mentioned, she could be surrounded. Yeah, and I'm I'm ninety five percent sure. Don't quote me on this, but you'd have to take a look at it. I think Sweet Sassafrasi. Was entered before, and I think it may have been a vet scratch. You might want to take a look sure. at that. I, I usually, if if there's a vet scratch previously, I pitch the horse, and, and you never know. As betters, we never know. You know, did the horse have a temperature? Did the horse have a cough? Was it something major or not? More often than not, it's not anything major. But for me, I take a stand against. If I saw a vet scratch, I'm out the next race. If they beat me, so be it. But you know, ninety percent of the time, they don't come back and win after being a vet scratch previously. Maybe Zylena's art, uh, the eight horse, Ed Kierluk, um, when he gets bet heavily, pay attention because when the money's come, they've run. He owns and trains that horse, and Kyle Carter doesn't have many starts, but when he has come to Canterbury, he gets him on the lead and plays catch me if he can. So we're uh, we're four for four heading into race number eight on Thursday, July the 9th at Canterbury, and we're trying to close out this pick five. How many horses do you need? Who do you need to try to close this thing out, Brian? I mean, I think Hotfoot and Samurai Mike are standouts on paper. You could probably just use those two. If you're looking to potentially catch a price and and go a little bit deeper, maybe not even that much of a price, you've got Saved by Zero who gets back to the turf, but you've got the question mark of going from the Deodoro Barn to the Randy Pfeiffer Barn, but does run back in three weeks. Uh, Royal Privacy came back and won again easily, and Saved by Zero is awfully quick. Um, in here, I didn't really know what to make of Jess Blaze, Ron Stolich. You know, he's won races in California for many, many, many years. Clinton Stewart wins races on the turf. That's another horse you could throw in, but I do think the race goes through both the three and the five. Yeah, I think the only one you didn't mention who's a little bit of a just a wild card to me. I, I wish he was drawn more towards the outside than the rail. That'd be great, Blake, who's damn won twice on the turf, and you're getting a big cutback. And if if he's able to kind of just show some speed, take back and sit from the rail, he could be in a good spot. Sometimes you get that shuffle. So he's he's a horse that I just have some questions about, and I'll, I'll probably end up throwing in in a few spots. But hot foot, it's tough to to look at this race and and not. Want to use hot foot because Say by zero is quick you're going to get Some speed from the outside with power cry Samurai Mike is going to keep them both Honest and great Blake will probably Be right there from the rail too so You look at that and it should set up nicely for You know both just blaze and hot foot And why wouldn't you lean towards hot foot who's got More recency who's in good form right Now over this track so he's Yeah he's tough I think to exclude completely So you know take your stands again in the sequence In, in one or two of the races earlier Where you can find some prices Don't be afraid to chuck a, a horse that's a short price Or chuck a chalk You hit a great point One of my biggest um, pieces of advice to everybody Was always handicap without the morning line Because then 
you you'll get a better idea in your head of how, what you think a horse should be. And then if the morning line is is right and and you see the horse open up, then hey, that's fine. Go go, you know, go attack those those prices that you like a little bit and you'll you'll make the the lines in your head, you'll get the value lines, but don't just blindly look at a morning line and think that's where the horse is going to end up all the time. A- absolutely. I mean, if it were up to me, like I said, I'd do away with the morning lines completely and let, let the better speak because we've seen more often than not these days especially that the money talks more volumes than the morning line. But I will say, you know, if you're if you're debating on a single, go with that higher morning line. Don't be afraid to take a stand on a 10-to-1, a 15-to-1 versus following the 2-to-1 because, you know, if you've got a strong opinion, you won't be kicking yourself if the 2-to-1 beats your 15-to-1, but you'll really be kicking yourself when you single a 2-to-1 and the 15-to-1 that you kind of like but weren't sure about wins. Always lean towards the price, and um, especially when you're someone who's playing a lot. Even if it, even if you're not playing a ton of money, but if you're a daily player, if you're playing at least a few times a week, give yourself the opportunity for big scores. We've seen the big scores come already at Canterbury, and I'll recommend one thing, Brian. Like a, we've we've been you know covering the races here. If you have a few bucks every day of your bankroll that you can just carve out to even put in a twenty. 30, 40, 50 dollar, 100 dollar, however whatever your bankroll is, take a little bit of that, send it over to Canterbury, now running Monday through Thursday, focus in on that late pick 5 if you, you know, if you don't want to go through the entire card or you you're the type of player who can only pick a sequence, it's worth playing every single day. It just it's become one of those wagers that I'm always going to be looking at now as a better. I love it. It's become it's really fan friendly, and it got me excited even though I was way off and some of the results on the horses that won those big payouts last week I I didn't necessarily have all of them, but it gets you excited as a player because you think and you go, wow, you know what? I've had days like that where I'm on and I could have a day for where I hit here for 50, 60, 80,000. And it's not, it's still a track that is gaining the momentum. You're not getting all of the big tickets, big pools, big syndicates in. You still feel like you got a shot in there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we did hammer home how last week the average pick five was over 50 grand. You had 23 on Monday, 85, and then 98. But but the fact of the matter is the day-to-day pick fives for the everyday players. like The 401 that you mentioned, you know, earlier. Like the just the over, the little overlays on every pick five ticket. Yeah, on Monday alone, you had one five to one, and then you had four straight favorites. A five to two, two to one, nine to five, and even a two to five. I think the parlay ended up paying about 149, 150-ish, and the pick five paid 420. It was really a, a gift to the pick five players. Brian, uh, give us your plugs one more time again um, for the folks that were only listening to this Thursday and they didn't check out Wednesday. Where can we find you on social media if we want to follow along, if we want to talk some Canterbury, if we want to talk some races with you? Absolutely. Uh, we race Monday through Thursday, 430. My, my selections will be on CanterburyPark.com. I'll also post a video featuring the pick five every day how i'm going to play it some different angles for the pick fives specifically that day you can find that on twitter at mr b underscore cby analyst i think uh last time you were aboard with us you you gave uh you you had a winning pick five that paid around 500 bucks or so something like that so uh no pressure on you you got to come back and hit another uh hit another one out of the park brian thank you so much buddy i have really enjoyed talking to you the last couple weeks becoming very good friends with you now and um i appreciate you always kind of keeping me abreast of everything going on over there at canterbury if there's something happening and um hopefully we can continue talking with you uh every other week or, or something like that as the races keep going there Thanks again, Gino. Hopefully your Dodgers take it easy on my team. <laughs> <coming up. laughs> 
Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll have to talk some baseball too once that gets started. Brian, you have a great one, and we'll be watching you uh, at Canterbury all week long. Have a good one. Brian Aragoni there, folks. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more racing ahead on That's What G Said. Big thanks to Brian for helping us out there talking some uh, Canterbury for Wednesday and for Thursday. Let's get you into the Thursday stable duel lineups. Let's talk for uh, Keeneland first on Thursday. A couple different combinations of horses I would use. Um, I would look to the 12, King Uhtred, who's damn won a couple times on the turf sprinting, and the Lone Sib won on the turf. So, I think it's a good fit for him. The outside draw, yeah, doesn't I don't love, but he has enough speed. I think if he breaks well, he should be able to sit a nice trip from out there. The 9, Gypsy King, if you want to spend up, that would be the one to do so, 7,000. King Uhtred only costs you 1,000 on Stable Duel. The two, United and Resolute. The Dam won twice, both times on the turf. The Lone Sib won at two. Look at that June 14th work. It jumps off the page. The two will only cost you five grand to use. And remember, we want to be around five grand or so, uh, or so to use. And then the four, Rustler, would be the other one I looked at at three grand. In race number two, I'm going to spend up a little bit on Jeweled Princess. Because I, th- I think it would just be the three, the seven, and the 11 as logical ones in here So I'm going to build around Jewel Princess or at a, On the drop in class at 8500 As a, a key for me in some lineups here One of the races I'll spend up on Third race I'm looking to the 7 Coltonator Who will only cost you $500 off your salary cap The 8 Hop Cat If you want to spend up That's probably the one to catch at seven grand. And Riverboat Gambler Who gets back to dirt and just check out the last time this one was on the dirt. It was behind Volatile that day. So it would be seven at five hundred, the eight at seven thousand, and the six at seventy five hundred. In race number four, I think it's the nine Gmo Rain who has some speed, who has the opportunity to sit very, very close, maybe right behind Embellisher. So the nine will be using at only seven fifty. The twelve Tiz Macamara, who's only seven fifty, should come running and pick some pieces up. And then the four. Urbanite at 5,000 Which would be right about on par with what you need In race number 5 I'm looking to the 3 Ivietsu as my top play in here Only 3,000 Just tossed the last couple races right Dwelt at the start in a race taken off the grass Two starts back Completely missed the break And then was in some trouble And prior to that not beating a whole lot in the Florida Oaks Graded stakes place there Chasing speed in the sweetest chant I think Ivietsu is very well spotted. Ivietsu is only going to cost you three grand. A couple of six thousands uh, to look at the ten confessing and the eleven Gen take charge. In race number six, I'd be looking to the nine. My top selection, Spiteful Charge, only going to cost you a thousand for Spiteful Charge. She got bumped by her inside rival at the start. And she ended up 6th, about 3-4 lengths off the pace She was sitting 3 wide She angled out 5 wide at the top of the lane Got bumped around a little bit That was the first start since September Now you're going to go 2nd off the bench You're going to cut back from a mile to 7 furlongs Lots to like about the 9 Spiteful charge The 8, April in Paris, if you want to spend up Should be one that's going to be flashing some speed in there So uh, I'd be using the 1 movie Moxie Especially if you get the 2 for 1 action with the entry 6500 or the 9 Spiteful Charge 1000 That'll be the one I uh, I use in most In race number 7 it'll be 11, 1, and 3 Moral Reasoning if you want to spend up at 8500 Passion Factor and Tizara Tizara will be my number 1 play in here I think 
she's the one to catch and she could hang around and give you some nice points for your $3,000 purchase in this race. In race number 8, the number 1 in the midst of biz, if you get that entry, you get 2 for 1 for only 1000. So the 1 would be a, a horse I'm looking to play, the 8 Dos Vinos at 8500 and then the 9 Lead Guitar at 6500. Would uh, would be one that's not quite as expensive And I'd be willing to, to take a swing on the 9 Closing things out in race number 9 It'd be uh, Pintxos from the rail at 7,000 You can make some excuses for The race going a mile and a half The race on September 28th on the main track November 3rd race was one that sent him to the bench And he was actually favored that day Maybe you don't want to spend as much So you go to the 11 Militarist who has been working very nicely The two-back race on the grass is better than it looks He's never really run a bad race He's just been in some tough spots And then the 8 fortuity If you want to be right about on par at 5,000 So the 1 would be 7,000 The 11 would be 1,000 And the 8 would be 5,000 That's your stable dual contest for Keeneland On Thursday, July in the 9th You can get involved for 10 bucks Or for 25 They have two different contests Thursday at Emerald Downs, we've got our first taste of stable duel heading to Emerald Downs. Get your past performances out and check out, get to your apps and, and pull up your stable duel lineups and your and your uh, salary cap so we can see who we're gonna we're gonna get to. Race number one, I'm going to the first or David knows best from the rail, training very well for a barn that can fire. I'm gonna spend sixty five hundred on the one. If you wanna spend up, I think it would be on the five, Gordon Anthony, who would be ninety six hundred. In race number two, um, a couple that I'd be looking to. The five Crest Drive looks like the one to catch seventy five hundred or seven thousand. The four at ninety two hundred is probably the one to beat, and the six at sixty five hundred Bullet Express would be uh, another horse I would I would definitely include in some of the exotics if you're playing along these races too. Bullet Express, so it would be the five at seven thousand, the four at ninety two hundred, and the six. At 5,000 We moved to race number 3 at Emerald I'm looking at the 5 Stanley's Wave, blinkers on coming Dropping out of that stakes race Where we last saw him on September the 8th The 4, Bear Creek Mountain Who has just had some slow starts If he can break well like he did on September the 21st He should be right there Second start off the bench He came closing after getting outrun early And, and having a really bad start He just has to break a little bit better in the third race, the five is three thousand. The four, seventy five hundred. Race number four at Emerald. I'm looking at the six USCG, the first time starter. The price of seventy five hundred. The four is three grand. That's Mister Stang, and the eight is seven thousand. Those would be the three firsters I look to in race four at Emerald. Four two six. In the fifth, it would be Tismani who gets back to the dirt as my top play. Tismani would cost you seventy five hundred. The two, if you want to really spend up for ninety two hundred, and then the six at sixty five hundred. Code Charlie from the outside, some fresh speed there on the turn back. Just two horses in race number six. It would be the two Dat Cats, second off the bench, back in eight days, speed cutting back, dropping in class, the one to catch, and the one via Alpina. Look at the May race uh, at Los Alamitos. That's a decent effort The races in the end of 2019 Back at Santa Anita and Golden Gate Those are not bad Via Alpina shows up with one of them She's going to win this race today So we'll be using the 2 Dat Cat And the 1 Via Alpina In race number 6 on different entries In race number 7 
The three, Miss Boisterous, is a $5,000 play. The nine would probably be my top selection in here, though, at Leisure, who was bumped at the start on both sides. Never really had a shot. She wants to sit closer. So I think she'll be better today at Leisure. And uh, in race number seven, she's only going to cost you 3000 The eight in here, Secret Paranoia, will cost you 6000 So maybe, uh, maybe we can get away with not overspending in race number seven. We get to the eighth race. I'd be looking to either go to the, the six horse for 6000 That's Freestone, who's my top selection, who had trouble in both. And he was super impressive winning and beating a next out winner. And then Norski, the number five, will also be using in some entries. So six and five there. The six is 6000 The five, 7500 Race number nine at Emerald. The three, Sunshine Emily, has a shot to steal this race on the front end. Not a ton of other pace. The five, Perfect Blossom, should be able to sit a nice trip not too far off. And the six, Fiery Cause. I'm kind of treating as a wild card on the, on the turn back and, and returning to the dirt. Three, five, and six. Three is 8000 if you want to spend up. The five is 3000 Sit in the trip. And the six, 3000 Fiery Cause. The tenth and final, I think you can use four different. If you don't have a whole lot of money left to spend, go to the six horse there. That would be Stanley Ryder. If you do have money left over, it's the four. I work for Carrots, who's 9400 The nine, if you're just about on par, that would be the nine. Mensch, who's 5000 And then the one, 7500 go boldly on the drop-in class. It would be six, four, one, and nine there in race number 10 at Emerald. Remember, $5 entries if you have any questions with those Thursday stable duel lineups for Emerald Downs, for Keeneland, any of the stable duel lineups, just let me know. I'd love to help you out. Let's close this thing out and talk a little bit of wrestling. So the Wednesday night wars between NXT and All Elite Wrestling, they're heating up a little bit. Both shows had a two-week, two-part big show um, so for All Elite Wrestling It was Fighter Fest We saw Night 1 We're going to see Night 2 this week And for NXT It was the Great American Bash We saw Night 1 Now we're going to see Night 2 And don't forget folks If you like candles If you're looking for a, a nice gift for someone Check out sarahcandles.com Use that promo code G-I-N-O For 10% off your purchase Night 1 of Great American Bash For NXT So we... Got a little shout out to Dusty Rhodes Mamoro mentioned him for inventing the Great American Bash theme And we get right into the number one contender elimination match for the, the women Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, and Candice LeRae So Mia Yim eliminates Candice, she's the first one out And it sets up a, a feud with them They're going to be having a street fight next week Dakota Kai eliminates Mia Yim next And so it's down to Tegan and Dakota Tegan with a, a nice looking shining wizard to finish things off, she eliminates Dakota, Dakota Kai. She is the number one contender. The comeback story for Tegan Knox. I don't know if it's quite her time, but maybe she, uh, she'll have to fail once or twice before she's finally given the opportunity. Someone who suffered through injuries, comebacks, rehabs. Always nice to see her getting a, an opportunity. Backstage, we saw Damian Priest cut a promo on Cameron Grimes. And then we get the Timothy Thatcher versus Oni Lorcan. Thatcher is on the rise. You can tell they like him. This was exactly what you would expect from these two. Hard hitting, back and forth, lots of strikes. Timothy Thatcher gets the win via submission. We saw a spooky carry on cross video where he calls out certain entitled individuals. 
And then Scarlet was talking uh, about suffering. I love everything they're doing with Karrion Cross. Rhea Ripley versus Aaliyah and Robert Stone. This was a two-on-one handicap match. We got Robbie E. Robert Stone out there bobbing and weaving like he was ready for the boxing match. And it, it was more goofy and fun. And Rhea Ripley puts them both in a submission. They both tap out. We need to get Rhea back into something more serious, though. They had the opportunity to it looked like it was going to be Rhea or Io, and they went with Io Shirai instead. And there's nothing against Io, but it seemed like they had built Rhea up to be the face of the brand, and they just went in a different direction. There were a couple of really good video packages on this show. One of them was the the Roderick Strong facing uh, Dexter Loomis buildup, and it, and we saw the video package, and then we get right into the strap match: Roderick Strong versus Dexter Loomis. Loomis is just creepy. He's awesome. He's really getting this gimmick down. He ends up winning via submission. I like this match. I like the back and forth. And then we got a good setup for next week's main event, where it's going to be Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. We get the interview with Keith Lee. He talks about Adam Cole's reign. And I like this quite a bit. Makes the match feel really big. Keith talked about his year, Survivor Series, Rumble, all the big moments. Backstage, we catch up with Johnny Gargano and uh, Johnny Gargano and Candice. And I like both of them. They're doing a great job with the hand they're dealt. But they're such good baby faces. I'd so much rather be rooting for them than against these guys. And gal, this guy and gal They get into it in the back Um, Candice gets into it with Mia Yim And Swerve Scott shows up And and so there's a little bit of a pull apart in the back We then got a a promo that I I liked Uh, It was Elgato de Fantasma So Santos Escobar And he's talking about how the luchadors Used to be looked up to But fans were Thinking it was all about just the flips and the and the spots and the masks. He and Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza are going to re-educate us. And as they're talking, Drake Maverick shows up. He's wearing a neck brace. He's building off the feud between um, uh, he and Phantasma. And he goes after them. They beat him down. And then we get Brizongo out here to help. And this sets up what is going to be a six-man tag. Escobar takes the uh, the cruiserweight title. He gets out of there. So we're going to get a six-man tag next week on night two of the Great American Bash with uh, with these six all involved. Grimes laughs backstage about Priest Challenge. He says he doesn't have time to worry about the past, and he calls himself the number one contender versus either Cole or Lee. We get a Mercedes Martinez hype video. I've Seen her and announced her in person She's an awesome, awesome wrestler Looking forward to seeing her back She was in uh, NXT a couple different times For some of the tournaments they've had And Yeah, she, she's great The I liked the Main event quite a bit Sasha Banks versus Io Shirai What I liked about it is It was just starting to pick up Things were just starting to get really good And then we got the interference And we got things to be a little schmozzy So you could tell they liked this feud They liked these two And that they didn't give everything away There's more to it Io wins after some help from Asuka And they save something for a future When they can have a a pay-per-view match Between the two So next week on the Great American Bash 
Mia Yim versus Candice LeRae in a street fight. Six man tag Elgato de Fantasma versus uh, Drake Maverick and Fondango. Damian Priest versus Cameron Grimes. Adam Cole Bebe versus Keith Lee and the debut of Mercedes Martinez. That's going to be on Wednesday. NXT. All Elite Wrestling had night one of their Fighter Fest last Wednesday. Before we talk about that, we just want to mention one more time, Stable Duel, StableDuel.com, Fantasy Horse Racing. They have multiple contests at multiple tracks, Wednesday through Sunday, from $5 entry fees up to $100 entry fees. If you like fantasy, you like horse racing, you want to get involved, check out StableDuel.com. So let's go through All Elite Wrestling, uh, the results from night one. So we kick things off, Chris Jericho on, on commentary, which is always a ton of fun. And MJF and Wardlow kick things off. It's uh, MJF and Wardlow versus Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. This was the match of the night. Jungle Boy and MJF have such great chemistry. MJF is incredible. Luchasaurus is very underrated. He can go. He can move. And they're teasing a little dissension between MJF and Wardlow. MJF has still never been pinned or submitted. And the Jurassic Express wins here with the pinfall. They Luchasaurus pins Wardlow. Fun tag. Up next, it was uh, Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. This was a good match from Ford. She continues to improve. She's been thrust into the spot that was looking like it was built for Britt Baker. And I like what I'm seeing from Ford. She just seemingly continues to improve. There were a couple near falls that I bought that I thought they were going to even give her an opportunity with the title because it felt like Sheeta might have been a transitional champ. But no. Sheeta wins by pinfall, retains the AEW Women's Champ. Nice showing for Ford. Cody Rhodes versus Jake Hager for the AEW TNT Championship. They really play heavy on the MMA submissions with with Hager. And I got the feeling that, I don't know if this was just something I I see or the way they're promoting it, or or maybe this is just what they do sometimes with baby faces where they don't think that people are going to assume they're heel. I got some heel stuff from Cody. Dustin getting involved, Arn getting involved a ton. The finish of this match was unique, was interesting. There was the ankle lock, and then Cody started reaching. He got a hand on the ropes, and then Jake's wife smacked him. He was back in the hold. The referee got distracted, and here came Dustin, and he nails Hager, and there's an inverted face lock. They blocked the crossroads. There's a huge rock bottom uh, onto an, into an arm triangle, and then Cody shifts it. He ends up winning by pinfall while the, 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 um, the submission is still locked in. And Hager thought he won. And then afterwards, he knocks out the referee. He's already been suspended for doing so, Hager. But I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little, maybe a little heel something with Cody. We got a Darby Allen video package. He's training uh, by skateboarding. And then we get Orange Cassidy. He comes out and he sits next to Jericho, well, across from Jericho at the commentary table. And Jericho is just freaking out, going crazy. And Cassidy's doing nothing. This was hilarious. This was awesome. And it's Private Party versus Proud and Powerful, Ortiz and Santana. 
So Jericho's boys from the inner circle are out there, and so he's uh, obviously leaning heavy in their direction. But Private Party win by pinfall. And Matt Hardy has been in their corner. He's sort of their their mentor, trying to lead them to the promised land. Afterwards, Jericho throws water at Orange Cassidy. They get into it. There's a, ball, a little bit of a brawl that everybody has to pull apart. We get an interview backstage. Tag team champs. They talk about the loving best friends that they deserve a title shot, but the titles are not changing hands. And then we hear that the John Moxley Brian Cage match has been moved back. I believe that Renee Young tested positive for coronavirus, the wife of Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. So they're taking every precaution necessary in AEW. Brian Cage and Taz come out and they cut a promo about the match and why it gets delayed. And Taz even takes a shot at WWE. He says uh, the concern for everyone's health and the employees are, are important. And that Moxley has tested negative twice If he decided to come to work next week He'd get tested because AEW doesn't run A sloppy shop Shots fired at WWE But he says uh, Mox knows he's going to lose And he asks the question Who better Trent's mom Accompanies the best friend out to the ring Gets a kiss from uh, from Trent and then it's Hangman, uh, Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the best friends for the AEW Tag Championship. The match was fine. It's good. You just didn't ever feel like the best friends could win this match, right? It just never felt like that. Oh, Page and Omega get the win with the buckshot from Page. And then after the match, FTR comes to the ring with some beers. They celebrate with the champs. Page takes the beer. He starts drinking. But Kenny looks at the beer and he pours it out And that gets FTR upset So he He sparks a little a little Something between them, they get in his face The Young Bucks come out and they try to break Everything up, so it's almost like the Young Bucks And Kenny on one side and then the beer Drinkers on the other side, FTR And, uh, and Hangman Next week Night 2, Omega and Page versus Private Party, that's going to be sort of The fill in for Cage Moxley Which will be the following week now Young Bucks and FTR versus the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade. Nyla Rose is going to be back in action. Lance Archer versus Joey Janela for night two of Fighter Fest. SoCal Uncensored versus the Dark Order with Colt Cabana. And then Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho, which will probably be the main event. Thank you for tuning in again to another episode of That's What G Said. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, review, anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Spreaker, Google Podcast, YouTube, follow the channel. Make sure to support all of our sponsors. Thank you to the guests who joined us, Brian Aragoni talking some Canterbury, Sean Alvarez talking some Keeneland, We'll be back in just a few days with another episode of That's What G Said that's going to focus in on the weekend sports and the weekend racing. Joey Cleveland, take it away.